Hi, world. I have something that I need to admit to the world, to you, Joe and Jill. There was a time in my life where I enjoyed karaoke. You? Mm-hmm. Yep. I, well, that's unexpected. That's yeah. one of the least believable <laughs> things I've ever heard you say. Uh, I don't believe it. <laughs> you know, it, I was a different man back then. One could say a different boy back then. Uh <laughs> So when when I was in like the fifth or sixth grade, my next door neighbor got a karaoke machine for her birthday or Christmas or whatever. Neat. And do you know what album she played nonstop on that that we sang to? Was it Spice World? Close, 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 close. Now one. Oh, Oh. now that's what I call music. That's not. No, that's what I call music. (laughs) Volume one. I wonder what number they're at right now. I don't even know. Seven hundred and (laughs) seventy-three. Yeah. I looked it up a couple years ago, and I'm like, well, that's how you make yourself feel old. (laughs) CDs are in again, though. Are they? Are they? Mm Fantastic. I've, I, I feel like they're like vintage collector's items at this point, which is a bonkers thing to think about. <laughs> I've seen people like post I've started about collecting this... CDs. Records more so are sure. coming back. Uh, I've definitely seen some CDs in antique shops. I'm like, you sh- you shut up. <laughs> uh, so before I wanted to play a little game, because you're both way more musically inclined than I am. I have my favorites, and that's about it. Uh, so I'm going to read you the lyrics of songs off of, now that's what I call music, one. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> and I would like you to name the band and the song, if possible. I got all nervous. I'm like, do I have to sing? Yeah. No, no, no. no. <laughs> so I haven't brought you all here. We're going to do some now one karaoke and get sued. <laughs> all right. So we're going we're gonna to start with what I think is an easy one. <clears throat> Girl, you are close to me. You're my mother. Close to me. You're my father. Close to me, you're my sister. Close to me, you're my brother. And you are the only one, my everything. And for you, this song I sing. Is it Casey and JJ all my life? It is. That is exactly what it is. All my life, <laughs> I pray for someone like you. <laughs> I did it, and I'm not going to do it again. <laughs> you can edit I that had the tune in my head, uh-huh. but I, it's been so long since I've heard that song that I could, I it, could not place it. It's kind of weird to hear it just like spoken. I almost said boys to men, which is not yeah. right. It, it not took right. a minute to get it because yeah. it wasn't the chorus. Right. And... Well, that, that's like that one I gave you the, a little bit of the chorus. The other ones I do not. So good <laughs> luck, suckers. Okay. All right. Here we All go. Right. Number two. <laughs> this is my favorite one off the album. Just, just saying. Uh, make me walk. Make me talk. <laughs> do whatever you please. I can act like a star. I can beg on my knees. Come jump in, bimbo friend. Let's do it again. Hit the town full around. Let's go party. That's what, what? Is it Barbie Girl? It is Barbie Girl. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking Aqua. Okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah that was... <laughs> All right. Two for two. It was that last line. I did I right, did not right. know the word bimbo was in that I song. I didn't either. They I didn't... actually got sued by Mattel. For, for I really? believe that. I yeah. fully believe because Mattel got litigious on that one. They used the word Barbie, yep. so that... Uh, Trademarked. Yep. Uh, they could have just... Spelled it differently. Um, mm. All right, next one. <laughs> Fuck me. Uh, I whipped up Jitterbuggin', Brown Eyed Man, a stray cat frontin' up an eight piece band. 
Cut me, Sammy, and you'll understand. In my veins, hot music ran. Oh, I'm stumped. I don't know that one. A little tougher. Yeah, that's a... I have no idea. Because the only part of the song I know is the three words of the chorus. It sounds less poppy? Mm-hmm. It is. You give up? Yeah, I, I If it's three words, I'm going to guess Black Hole Sun. No, I don't <laughs> think that one's on there. I don't be, think that would be on no. now, though, because it's not really pop. It is Zoot Suit Riot by <gasps> Cherry, Cherry Pop, Pop and, and Daddy's. Daddy's really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Good lord. Oh. Right, it's okay. It's okay. So we have two more. That's a classic I forgot about. <laughs> I forgot this song even had words. Uh, plant a seed, plant a flower, plant a rose. You can plant any of those. Keep planting to find out which one grows. It's a secret no one knows. It's a secret no one knows. Oh, no one knows. I know. Do you know it? Hanson. Yep. Mm, yep. Bop. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and they're playing on my birthday. Oh, <laughs> right. That is fucking Mbop. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> but give, singing the cor- like saying the chorus. Right, right. No, of, of course. Uh, it'd be way too easy. So here. As, as soon as you said it, like the actual like tune, like the, act- like the actual cadence right, of right. the verses popped into my head. I was like, oh, that's, I can't believe I missed it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not reading it. I'm kind of reading it like. Well, yeah, you're reading it. Yeah, you're reading it without the actual uh, the actual melody to it, which you have to for this. Otherwise, right. it'd be too easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I just I'm not doing that because I'm not that little boy anymore. <laughs> no, no, you're not that little boy long ago no. that enjoyed karaoke. <laughs> that one beautiful summer where he got to spread his wings <laughs> and sing Mbop. All right, last one. Yes, I know all about the other guy, the handsome man with athletics ties. I know about all the time before with that ob- obsessive little rich boy. They might make you think you're happy. Yeah, maybe for a minute or two. They may make you laugh. <laughs> I can keep going. I have no idea what this I is. No, no they can't make you feel the way I do. I will buy you a garden where your flowers can bloom. I will buy you a new oh, car. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> it's, it's, it's ever clear. Yes. <sighs> <sighs> well, wasn't that fun? <laughs> I had a blast. <laughs> it was a good time. I, I also enjoyed myself uh, more than I should have. <laughs> I think Hanson was my first CD. <laughs> it was, oh, God. It was orange. I remember that. I remember that. I do remember that. God. I can't remember what my first CD was. Mine. Just, oh, God, this is embarrassing. Mine was, besides like burned CDs. Oh, sure, sure. The first one I like paid money for was the score to Phantom Menace. Nice. That's great. Gotta get, you gotta get that duel of the fates. Right. Oh, yeah. And I like talked about it in music class, and the music teacher was so thrilled that one of their students had talked about John Williams. Ah, uh, what a nerd. Hey, hmm. welcome to Drazzle. The podcast takes award winning worst films and fixes them. I'm host Jack Corbertson, and here to suffer alongside me, as always, is also host Joe Neelis. The spiciest. Today, we are joined by bookmark mogul Jill. Hello, Hello. Jill. <laughs> All the movies on Durazzled won Worst Picture at the Razzies the year they were released, except when they don't. The Razzies, for those of you who don't know, are something of a reverse Oscars. They recognize the worst films of the year. Knowing what I know about Jill, I have chosen to remix 1998's Spice World, a movie that was nominated for seven Razzies, but only took home one. That's right. We're doing a Durazzled Stumped episode. Jill, can you tell me what you want, what you really, really want? <laughs> Zig is a gah. Can you define that? Yeah, I, I still, to this day, I don't know what it is. <laughs> I never Googled it. I'm not certain anyone knows what it means. You've already watched the film. You watched I, the film before. You... 
Oh, yes, as a child, and then... Yeah. Uh, what did... So it feels weird kind of asking, like, what exposure did you have to Spice World before we made you watch it? Because so, a lot. Yeah, when I was a kid, like, I thought all the double-decker buses, like, every... I thought every yeah. tour bus looked like that. Um, <laughs> I didn't know the cameos when I was younger, sure. like the significance of Elton John making an appearance. Elton John probably would have been the only one I would recognize. It was more just like watching the Spice Girls and being mm-hmm. like, oh, I like them. They're cool. And all my friends like them. So this movie is awesome. The... I think it was PG-13. Was it? Because of of the costumes those men wore during oh, because of because of the asses. Oh, the yep. asses. So, oh, the asses brought the thirteen, huh? So I remember my mother like <laughs> not a fan. <laughs> I she let me watch it, mm-hmm. but <laughs> it was like I was not thirteen yet. For me, aside from the karaoke incident, uh, <laughs> the, the same the same friend who had the karaoke machine was also a huge Spice Girls and World fan. Um, and our corner store where we get like penny candy had little almost like chiclet sized. Uh, pieces of chewing gum and the paper wrapped around them were the five Spice Girls. And I remember getting like handfuls of these because, you know, again, penny candy and it being weird because like they had just broken up. So we had all these ginger chewing gums. We're like, well, that's she's gone. I wonder poorly. (laughs) I wonder if we went to the same candy store. Uh, It's very possible. It was Um, like Fourth Avenue and Altoona. Now they know where I'm from. Um, Yeah. (laughs) You've mentioned it before. I'm from that shit. Uh, uh, So for those of you who don't know, uh, Jill's from the old country. Yeah, we go, uh, we go way back. Go way back. <laughs> we both escaped. Uh, Joe, how about you? What was your exposure to? Uh, I think we talked a little bit about this during the watch along, but uh, my uh, my sister and former stepsisters would watch this all the time. Like we, <laughs> they they would they would uh, they would want to watch it repeatedly, and I sat there and watched it with them because I always made them watch stuff as well. So like we watched countless times like Ghostbusters and Coneheads and Beetlejuice, uh, because I wanted to right classics. Yeah, and to balance that out, whenever they wanted to watch Spice World or Titanic or various other things, okay. like we would watch those things. And so I actually had a bit of nostalgia for this movie because I'd seen it so many right. times, uh, but very little of it actually stuck with me, um, with the exception of the bit about the Pope. <laughs> that, that for whatever reason that bit stuck with me through time. Uh, you didn't remember the aliens. And I didn't I, remember the aliens. And yeah. I remember the aliens. Yeah. <laughs> I had never seen it, but I, I will say that of all the movies we've covered, this is the one that people were the most pissed that we were going to fix. They're like, "How dare you Wait, talk really? shit on the spice?" Yeah, it was like somebody who, who commented on it. it. Was like, "How dare you?" Not like actually upset. <laughs> uh, and then when we had our our interview on the Anything Show, Andrew was like, "Don't you don't need to fix that." Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I forgot about that. You don't need to fix these so, girls. So, no, no. <laughs> if, Andrew, if you're listening, we're sorry. If, if anything, I don't want to fix the – we'll get to it, of course, but I don't want to fix the Spice Girls so much as um, uh, bring the aroma forward. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> what? So uh, just a quick, quick rundown of what we're going to do today. So we're going to – First, we're going to summarize the Spice World movie for you, for those of you who don't know, for those of you who've forgotten the aliens, uh, <laughs> and it will make everything perfectly clear. Then we're going to talk a little bit about who the Spice Girls were, um, the impact they had on our culture, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about feminism. Uh, after that, we'll do our usual critique, um, and then we'll, we'll make Spice World even better. So, fantastic. Uh 
before we do any of that, though, they should probably subscribe and things. That's a good point. Yeah. So if you yeah, if you haven't already, please like, subscribe, follow us on various platforms. Uh, please rate and review the show uh, wherever you can on, uh, on Apple, Spotify, Good Pods, where uh, or wherever else you listen uh, to help get us further up in search results and help people find us. Much much appreciated. Before I go into the summary, I pulled a a quote from a Rolling Stones article written by Chris Heath that I think really shows you who the Spice Girls are behind the scenes. So here's a glimpse of the Spice Girls. Um, quote, you know what's the greatest pleasure, asks Jerry, when you're dying to go pee, when you're d- dying to go for a pee, when you got there and you have that pee, Mel C interrupts. What's even better, Mel B finishes, is when you have to poo. Mel C says, no, when it's freezing cold and your pee's dead warm. <laughs> Victoria, who is almost exactly like her character. I don't talk about things like that. <laughs> then they start throwing bread rolls around the room. And Mel B has the idea, who can do this? As she grabs the tablecloth where the rolls are placed. Who can do uh, this? <laughs> Victoria saying, I don't think you should do that. Jerry grabs the other side of the cloth and Emma says, yeah, go on. (laughs) Uh, They then try to do the old magic tablecloth swipe and it doesn't work. The flowers are still standing. (laughs) That's the Spice Girls I wish had been in the film. That would have been fun. Yeah. Yeah. That is so much more chaotic. Oh my God. Yeah. Like like, I think they kind of put some of that into the characters in the movie, but not nearly to that extent. Like it's not... That kind of destructive chaos or mischief. Like, it's. They're a bunch of imps just running around causing British chaos. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll, we'll touch on that article again um, to, to tell you some more chaos. Uh, but first, let's, uh, let's talk about what the movie is. <clears throat> the opening credits to this nearly impossible to find novelty flick are meant to invoke the psychedelic 70s. To our less than 1% of Gen Z listeners, Nostalgia for the colors, wardrobe, and quote-unquote free attitude of the hippie movement was especially high in the late 80s, which explains why I looked like Shaggy from Scooby-Doo in all of my high school pictures. (laughs) After the credits, we fade into a concert of the Spice Girls performing for their adoring fans. During this, we uh, we get glimpses of the supporting cast. First, the girls' management team, headed by Clifford, played by Richard E. Grant from With Nail and I and Marvel's Loki. That's right, I have a Funko Pop of this man. (laughs) Oh, that's uh, right. He's classic Loki in the in the Yeah, he's Loki classic show. Loki. Yeah. yeah. I and he's really good at it. I'm like he's, he has very excellent. few lines, but it like crushes it. Um next is the documentary crew headed by Alan Cumming from Son of the Mask, who also plays Loki, a Funko Pop you I do not just have. Had to bring up Son of the Mask. <laughs> of his his whole like movie oeuvre. Jamie Kennedy one. starts crying somewhere and doesn't know why. It's your <laughs> damn fault. <laughs> he had all that momentum from the, the mentions and scream, and then I had to bring that up. I'm sorry, Jamie. <laughs> so post-show, Clifford escorts the girls from the building. They run into Elton John just, you know, Elton Johning around backstage. Elton Johning around? <laughs> I love that. Part. I like Elton John as a verb. Right. <laughs> just, uh, the doc crew assigned to the film, to, to film the Spice Phenomenon, our B-plot, missed their chance for an interview and are generally treated as only slightly better than paparazzi throughout the movie. Outside, the girls are greeted by a swarm of fans. Posh signs some shit. Ginger kisses little boys. Clifford prevents some perverts from taking upskirts. That's not an exaggeration. That's that definitely happens. a thing that happens. That's a real thing that he has to do. Before even smartphones back then. Yeah. 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 Oh, the, the grainy pixelized version of panties. Uh, 
Then they enter the spice bus. Actually, a TARDIS that's six times larger on the inside. <laughs> I want one. I just want to drive I, all around and live in it. And... Uh, I'll take a real one or a TARDIS version. T- TARDIS upgrade. Uh, <laughs> Meatloaf plays the bus driver, Dennis. Um, rest in peace. Rest, yeah, rest yeah peace. we didn't mean for this episode to be timely, but God damn it. Um, we, we watched before, days before. Yeah, days before Meatloaf passed away. Yeah. Um, so out of, I mean, anti-vax nonsense. Is, oh, is that uh, what is, happened? Oh, yeah, that's a big part oh, of what no. happened there. Uh, that sucks, but still it contributed to some amazing things to our culture and rest in peace. Yeah, I, I've said in honor of him, we will not dedicate this episode. Uh, yeah. Because we should be talking about better movies like Fight Club or Rocky Horror. Rocky Horror, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but it could be worse. We could be talking about Blood Rain. We could be talking about Blood Rain. Man, so you've now invoked Jamie Kennedy and Uber Bowl. I'm not I'm not having a good time here, Jake. I, I think I think that's the last of the really terrible film references. Okay. I actually watched that I movie. I don't believe you. I, you're you're wise to do so. Uh I like watched Fight Club and he's in in Fight Club and I'm yeah. like, he's actually a really good actor. So he's I saw excellent in Fight Club. Like Blood Rain. I saw Meatloaf in the credits. I'm like, okay, I'll give it a shot. What an idiot. What a stupid, <laughs> stupid child. I loved him in uh, Tenacious D and the Pick of Destiny. That was great. There you go. Yeah. He played the the dad. Yeah. Jack Black's dad. <laughs> that that makes sense. I've not seen Tenacious D, but that would make sense. Highly recommend. It's, it's fun. great. Uh, inside the bus, we sample each member's personality. Sporty is sporty. Posh is snotty and fashionable. Scary is outspoken and goes, raw. Yeah, it's, it's about right. Yeah. I went with that vibe today with the it's, leopard yeah, print. Hell yeah. I got some nice leopard print. Uh, Ginger has tits, and Baby Spice <laughs> is your creepy uncle's favorite. The, oh, yeah, she just smiles and gets out. She can do anything. She just gets out of yeah, trouble just, by smiling. Yeah, she just smiles, has, um, oh, my God, what are those called? Pigtails. Pigtails. Yeah. The girls are going to broadcast a concert worldwide at the end of the week. There's your plot. See you here in an hour for the resolution. <laughs> um, so note, uh, Ginger's personality will be covered later in a section called Ginger Spice, past your expiration date. Yes, spices can't expire. Throw that fucking basil away. It's old enough to drive a car. Oh, no. Uh, C-plot. C-plot arrives in the form of Hollywood uh, a, a producer, question mark, and a writer. Uh, I'm just going to call them as a unit Hollywood from here on. Uh, they like to cash in on the Spice Girls fame by producing a movie. Hollywood uh, Hollywood asks Hollywood 2 if they can act. <laughs> Hollywood 1 throws shade on Marilyn Monroe, saying that no one cares if she could act, which, like, fuck you. Yeah. She could. She could. See Asphalt Jungle, Some Like It Hot, uh, Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, or you can just, just jump straight to fucking yourself. <laughs> uh, we cut to the fourth best James Bond, who is the boss of the boss's boss. It blows my mind that I did not remember Roger fucking Moore was in this. Wait, did you say fourth best? Did you put... Roger Moore behind George Lazenby? <laughs> I shall never tell. <laughs> <laughs> he has a collection of sometimes real, sometimes fake animals that he strokes while speaking in half metaphor, half spy code. This is not D-plot. This is just an exhausting running gag. It's like all these riddles. <laughs> they don't make they're like, sense. No. They're like r- trying to be riddles, but they like it, it's like a fever dream acid trip of a riddle. <laughs> and he had an, a different animal every time. Like one. I was a big was fan of the pig. pig. The yeah, pig the pig. Was good. Well, the pig we could the pig we could confirm was real. <laughs> yeah, it actually <laughs> mo- was moving. The, yeah, the, breathing. The cat was like real sometimes. The unless... bunny was fake as hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the girls rehearse. The doc crew isn't allowed to do their job. A random pregnant woman arrives to interrupt rehearsal. Where the fuck is security? 
And then she just randomly, just nonchalantly randomly says, oh, yeah. says, oh, the dad left me. And I almost missed that part because it yeah. was it's, so It's fast. such a throwaway line. It's a blink and you miss it kind of moment. Yeah. Uh, she just yeah. throws that in there. <laughs> you have no idea who this is, but apparently she's like an old friend of theirs. Yes. Unspiced friend induces a very funny and well-written dream sequence where the Spice Girls see their futures as mothers, reinforce gender norms, and features posh advising children to attend college for better pay, feeding into the narrative that has fucked an entire generation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See also us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Uh, we cut to H-plot, J-plot, ampersand. Who, who knows? How can this movie have so many plot lines and uh, no story? Like, so little story. The daily event is a gossip rag run by editor Kevin McMaxford, an Uncle Dursley-looking motherfucker who can control the rain. He tells Brad, an actor who's been in countless movies, but I specifically remember him from a deleted scene in From Hell where he jerks off in a horse stable. <laughs> of course, that's where you remember him yeah, from. Yeah, that would be pretty memorable. <laughs> yeah, it's it It really stuck with me. Uh, he's in like a bunch of Guy Ritchie films, but nope, you're the guy who jerked off in a horse stable. Nope. Uh, <laughs> you, you don't live that down. I'm sorry. No, even as a deleted scene. <laughs> no. uh, this, this is why Chris Nolan doesn't put deleted scenes on DVDs so the actors don't have to deal with the shit. Well, if uh, Chris Nolan would stop filming people jerking off in horse stables, <laughs> they wouldn't have this problem. You hear that, Chris? Uh, so they, they want to get the Spice Girls to break up. Patient McMaxford, Elemental Wizard, Summoner of Thunder and Lightning. Patience. That what? was comedy. That was comedic yeah. gold yeah. right there. <laughs> but it never happens again. <laughs> it only happens in that one maniacal moment. And Brad is completely like this is an everyday type thing. Like, he's not phased. Yeah, he just stands there in the rain like an absolute champ. Like, he's done this yeah. countless times. Just, like, waiting for his next order to bring him coffee. <laughs> he's, like, just waiting there. Clifford, reject Riddler trapped in the Matrix, takes a meeting with Hollywood. They pitch Cole Runnings and Crocodile Dundee. Spice <laughs> Girls. <laughs> baby Spice fears being seen as a baby even into her 30s, to which Posh calls bullshit. Baby loves being the innocent one. Q Hercule Poirot Spice Girls crossover <laughs> with Hugh Laurie as detective and the baby Spice as the vicious murderer. Obvious vicious murderer, yes. armed to the teeth. <laughs> she she pins her crimes on the priest, bringing accountability to the Catholic Church the Spice way. <laughs> posh bitches about only being known for being posh. Scary growls at some goldfish. Ginger shares a factoid about manta rays that is neither asked for nor appreciated, but has the same energy as that time last week when, apropos of nothing, I turned to Belinda and told her that alien cattle mutilation is actually just coyotes going for the soft meat of the cow's anus, and the reason it's so circular is because coyotes are really good at eating ass. I learned something new today. <laughs> Me too, but I didn't want to. <laughs> You're giving us all this information. So really driving... <laughs> We were driving home from work, and I was like, already, I was like half napping, and I was like, look up, I'm like, hey, do you know that? <laughs> I'm, I'm amazed she didn't wreck the car. Uh, I'd probably have to pull over. <laughs> yeah, for real. You're like, wait a minute. <laughs> At the photo shoot, the girls brainstorm alternate spice girls, such as Bricklayer Spice, who takes massive shits. And train spotting spice, who emerges through the toilet of the aforementioned shit. And crawls upside down on the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the daily event hires Rocky Horror's Riff Raff to dig up dirt on the Spice Girls. No, I didn't look up what the character's name is. I just call him Riff Raff through this entire show. Wasn't it Damien? Damien, yes. I knew, I knew it started with a D. Yeah. Riff Raff. 
Riff, and they rarely riffraff. they rarely call him Damien throughout th- the entire movie. I think they only refer to him in that meta bit at the end when they're reciting the right. plot as yeah. it's happening simultaneously. Riffraff, a member of the paparazzi, proves his merit by showing McMaxford's photos of McMaxford's morning routine, which is um, sniffing socks and eating, as he pronounces it, bogies. Just bogies, but bogies. snot, snot. Uh, at the dining event, the girl's friend Nicola asks them to be the child's godmother. Zzz. Zzz. Uh, all of them. <laughs> we see that she feels locked out of their friends, uh, out of her friends' lives, um, which is made all the worse when they're rushed away for an interview. Alan Cummings pushes heteronormative gender relations on the girls. Ginger ponders the Catholicism of the Pope. Riff Raff spies from the buffet table, doing his best impression of Carmen Miranda. That's my one joke for me. Thank you. That's such a good disguise. An amazing disguise. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's the master it's, of disguise. It's a, a morph suit plus fruit tray. Yeah. yeah. It's just like a platter on t- like glued to the top of his morph suit and his face cut out. I like this. The fruit doesn't is what... look that good, though. No. Like, he, looks, he looks a lot better than the well, fruit. That, that's so that nobody tries to eat the fruit. That's true. Yeah. He's, he thought it out. But at a high, like a, an event high profile, like. Some of you have a better yeah. caterer, you know. I'll I'll get was it Richard O'Brien? Is that his name? Yeah, Richard O'Brien. I'll get him on the phone and tell him yeah. to suck it. What's up, Riff Raff? <laughs> for, that, <laughs> for that movie you made in the in nineteen ninety eight. The Pope is sad that Ginger thinks he's not Catholic. Faced with the possible backlash of religious leaders and their followers, the girls suffer nothing. This plot thread is immediately forgotten. Uh, so throughout Act Two, we have this biz- uh, bizarre formula. Where we raise the stakes, we do some jokes, we solve the problem, and move on. The old raise them, drop them. I hate it. I hate this format. We pick uh, things up and we put them down. Yeah, it's like, oh, there's a there's some tension building, and nope, it's fixed. Uh, in Milan, the girls attempt a video before a bunch of beefy Italian boys arrive in white boxer briefs and captain hats. Yes, they do. Clifford and an Italian stereotype manager argue as Baby Spice traps a big boy in a conversation about her stuffy collection. <laughs> Clifford specifically, there were a lot of Italian stereotypes yeah, in it. <laughs> she does that specifically to point out that she has no room for him in her bed <laughs> which is kind of funny yeah no, I, I genuinely like that scene that's uh, a good tactic to yeah. reject somebody <laughs> where am I going to put all these sorry. stuffed animals I'm sorry you got no space you're too, I like that you're one. too beefy beefy boy <laughs> Clifford in the stereotype compromise dressing the beefies in a prince inspired assless rubber suit so aliens. So aliens. For our less than 1% of Gen Z listeners, <laughs> aliens aliens probed the cultural zeitgeist super hard in you the 90s. had to say probed. It was, it was after, right there. After than... everything from earlier, he had to, he had to do that. Yeah. I was going to say pegged, but that's too too early. So I actually You're looked it up this, for later. I looked it up. This movie is actually PG. Can't they're not going to oh, really? oh, okay. can't peg. Let me let me try I this again. It was 13. Um, yeah, I thought so too, but no, PG. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah was, Aliens was had wrong. a consenting relationship with the cultural zeitgeist <laughs> in the uh the 90s. Uh see X-Files, Mars Attacks, Independence, etc. Uh the Spice Girls head into the woods to take a squat. The scene in the film that most closely resembles their actual personalities. Yeah. They become accidental ambassadors of Earth with aliens in costumes so bad your neighborhood haunted house wouldn't have them. They're like genuinely scary costumes. Like if you look They're, at them. They were kind of well done. They I, not even well done. Just I think scary because they weren't well done. They have this yeah. like ice cream cone top hair. There's like ca- upturned capes. Uh, yeah. 
And also, they miraculous they miraculously spoke in the same tongue as the aliens. Yeah. They just knew their language. I, it, there's no reason for them to understand that, right? They, they just did, and it was just never explained. Just just like a guy makes it rain and indoors. There's some Star Trek nonsense happening. There's like a translation field coming from the ship. Out of respect for the recently departed, I'll skip over the terrible joke forced on Meatloaf. Yeah. Mr. Step. A mixture of Arlie Ermey and Eddie Izzard. What's the... <laughs> that's the combo. Yeah. Okay, that's what I, I couldn't think about the other day. I sat at work just thinking, like, all the British funny people I know. Uh, that's where I land on. Okay, so he puts the girls through literal choreographed boot camp, except Posh, because she can't do any of that shit. The girls chant a military call and response about the importance of having five members and how they'd be incomplete with even four members, a scene that immediately becomes prophetic. The girls sleep in a Scooby-Doo manner, unaware that Riff Raff is train-spotting Spice through Bricklayer Spice's commode. Sensing the impending elbow sex, the girls... <laughs> is that too deep a dive? Or, no, or too, that was, deep no, that was good. <laughs> the girls awaken, climb into, uh, into each other's bed, and interpret each other's dreams. The following morning, the girls discuss playing matchmaker, while Ginger is kink-shamed for pondering the presence of water sports in the animal kingdom. <laughs> Hollywood pitches a movie that's a mixture of Avengers, no, not that one, uh, Air Force One, and the in-universe plot from Pulp Fiction that Mia Wallace was in. Fox First Five. Oh, yeah. It's oh, almost like a one-to-one. -one... That joke. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. The Spice Girls sing the only, maybe the only song in the movie that I couldn't stand. It's like even poppy for them while they're on a boat. Uh, it's a scene that ends with reckless child endangerment <laughs> and riffraff in a wetsuit with an apparently hydrophobic camera uh it had some kind of housing around it did it i, I think so it. Oh, yeah. he, he had a whole setup yeah i i, I you it's all right riffraff it, you get this one it's like in the corner of the shot so it's hard to really see but it looked like it had some kind okay. of housing around it okay. like he was prepped i i should not have questioned your expertise riffraff and then this random minor girl is just on the boat with them they just <laughs> they're, they're kidnap her there's like hey these two girls want a contest and they're going to be in this one scene you want to throw them overboard um yep <laughs> Sure do. Here in the good old U.S. of A., that's a $10,000 fine with an up to five-year uh, sentence in prison. In Britain, it's apparently fine <laughs> if you're in the tabloids every day. In the, in the U.K., the place where child endangerment was invented, that's a, <laughs> that's just a proper tea time. Not to mention the medical bills. And yeah, they got it covered. They have universal health care. <laughs> Clifford reminds the girls that many jobs rely on their, on their being professional. While he's a dick about it, he's absolutely right. Uh, oh, yeah. The girls are the face, but a bunch of jobs keep them wealthy and famous. The pissing contest ends with the girls saying that they're skipping tomorrow's big show. The fourth best James Bond threatens to decapitate Clifford while stroking a baby pig. We get a flashback of the pre-famous Spice Girls hanging out at Rendezvous. Not a gay bar, but a quaint restaurant run by a fatherly old man named Brian. It was like a pizza, like a mom and pop pizza yeah, shop. Yeah, With like the red and white plaid tables. Uh, yeah, 100%. Like absolutely Parmesan the kind of place you would expect to have like Parmesan cheese shakers on the yeah. table. Yeah, pepper flakes. Yeah, <laughs> and like the cheap ketchup bottle it's like all red i i don't know if you know this but I, i'm not british but i feel like that building is a famous building i feel like i've seen it in some other shit it probably yeah i have no idea but. and i'm pretty sure it's not some like mom and pop deli type situation but it, whatever he and nicola watch the girls perform wannabe a song i assumed was manufactured in a top secret lab beneath big ben owned and operated by the bbc but was apparently thought up by the girls themselves i'm sorry 
Well, I mean, in reality, they had co- like like the Spice Girls were involved with their own songwriting, mm-hmm. but they had co-writers yes. that helped them out with that. Uh, Want to be included, which I think gets talked about in that Rolling Stone article. I think it does. Yeah, and I think is that the song with the bit of a rap bit, or is that a different song? Um, I mean, they do that a lot. Well, it was Jerry's idea. Yeah. Jerry just wants you to know that. Feeling nostalgic, the girls all arrive at the now-closed rendezvous. They wonder where Je- where Brian ended up, but then quickly forget he ever existed. <laughs> I know. They had they would have all the money and the resources to help out yeah, this I'm pizza like, shop that this, gave yeah. them free food. This dude like gave you free food, free 100%. coffee, and you're just like, eh, whatever. We're famous now. <laughs> We're famous now. We could have helped you, but whatever. Nah. Uh, we get a, f- a fantasy sequence where the girls are on trial. Stephen Fry serving as judge. <laughs> this they, is my favorite. <laughs> they release a shit album. I'm, I swear to God, he wrote his own dialogue. Like, his dialogue yeah, know, is way too so. sharp. Uh, they released a shit album and must be held accountable. He slaps them with 20 years of cheesy talk shows where they ponder the fame they once held. Stephen Fry, comedian, judge, soothsayer. <laughs> Elvis Costello provides the social lubricant necessary for Clifford and the suddenly relevant What's-Her-Face from the management team to have a depressing night of mediocre sexual congress. I mean, they they tease the idea of like a will-they-won't-they they between them for like one line like mm-hmm. 20 minutes earlier in the film, but it has no consequence. Yeah. And then when they're done, it still has no consequence. Yeah. The Spice Girls take their extremely pregnant friend out clubbing. They like, then, very do. responsible. Right. No, that's, that's <laughs> you're supposed to do that to induce She's labor, overdue. which does. She was overdue, yeah. too. Yeah. They're like, you're, like, oh, you're like 45 weeks pregnant. Yeah, <laughs> let's go dance it out. And, Rave. <laughs> and she does. She goes in labor, that attention whore. <laughs> How dare she on their their girls' night out? Like, make it all about her. There's like a drag show going on. They're like, nope. Prego's got to suck up all the attention. How dare she? Uh, the girls in Prego arrive at what is almost certainly a ghost hospital. The staff what? consisting of a single doc nurse and three extras in scrubs. Meatloaf drove the bus. He did drive the he, bus he there. Drove the yes, bus. that's important, which we'll get to almost now. Uh, through the power of breasts, Ginger Spice brings a child out of a coma. He sure did. Sure did. Uh, Clifford chain smokes, wondering where the girls are. Baby Spice slaps Posh. Nicola farts out an unreasonably dry, calm baby. And <laughs> With full, a full head of hair. Full head of hair. Here's your three-month-old child. Well, I guess she was in there a while, was wasn't fully, she? fully yep. cooked. <laughs> uh, Ginger credits the miracle of birth to girl power. Sure. Sure. The girls capture rip, Riff Raff, concuss him, and through the power of insert vague reason here, cause a change of heart. The girls steal the bus while Meatloaf naps on the lawn. Posh drives them past Buckingham Palace, waving at the Queen, Charles, William, Harry, and definitely not Andrew. We don't talk about Andrew. No. No, 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 no. Uh, Fighting the clock, Posh takes the bus over a rising bridge. The filmmaker is using a cheap model and matchbox car to achieve this effect. Absolutely ace. 100% how I would have done it. No notes. No complaints. Absolutely no No complaints. That was great. (laughs) Uh, The police attempt to arrest Baby Spice, but Baby Spice uses her previously aforementioned immunity to old perverts to get them off. Just smile. Just Everything's smile. cool. Uh, what's funny is I think Ginger and Posh try it first, and they're like, no, too old. Yeah, they didn't. it didn't work for them. <laughs> she has the pigtails and the innocent smile. Yeah. And... The girls arrive just as Clifford decides to televise his suicide, something that disappoints Alan Cumming. That really went dark really <laughs> yeah, fast. Yeah, it got super fast. And he yeah. goes from being ready to put on this concert to like... Oh, if they don't show up, I'm going to do this. Uh, it's and... time to hang myself. Yeah. <laughs> just... like I like perk my ears up. I'm like, we just got a little bit uh, exciting here, huh? No? Mm. Okay. Uh, it doesn't happen because the girls show up. Uh, do their big dance number, spice up your life, uh, roll credits, but, but, 
But over the credits, there's a mockumentary oneer that shows a prequel of sorts, the actors preparing to film the movie. The Spice Girls break the fourth wall for entirely too long. It really goes on too long. Like, it's, like that could have been a fun bit if it mm-hmm. was like a full 15 seconds shorter. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, off screen, the bus blows up, killing Meatloaf, which means the bus and Meatloaf were ghosts the entire time. The end. Huh. Yeah. Hmm. It's weird. So that's that's Spice World. It's a, f- a fun romp about a pop a, a pop group that's been haunted. Yeah. <laughs> Several times. <laughs> so the Spice Girls. I'm going to try to explain how, why this is important. I can't wait to hear how you put this. I don't, I don't know how. <laughs> I'm just pushing words out one at a time, hoping the idea forms behind them. <laughs> uh, so we'll, real quick, um, we'll talk about how the Spice Girls came about. Basically, there was an ad put out for we need uh, young women who can sing and dance. And was it like energetic, it, yes. like uh, ambitious are extroverted young women who who are capable of singing and dancing. I think was this is how they first came about. No. They all answered the same ad more or less. Yeah. See, when I was a kid, it's just like they're there and they <laughs> exist and they're cool and yeah. friends like them and spice up your life. <laughs> well, they they originally didn't have baby. There was a fifth person who, depending on what you're reading, either left to pursue a different aspect of her life or was kicked the fuck out. Yeah, that's that happens a lot when you're reading about the Spice Girls. It's like one side makes them seem very nice and friendly, and the other side's like, "Yeah, it's business." So uh, supposedly, Posh was friends with Baby before they became Posh and Baby, right? And suggested Baby, but then reporter They're... at Rolling Stones is like, "No." <laughs> yeah, apparently, when uh, he managed to get an interview with their old manager, yeah, that was and... crazy. Yeah, and like, this, like the the levels of discrepancy between like how the Spice Girls tell it and how he tells it is fascinating because apparently um, they think that it was like a singing coach that actually knew Baby or something along those so. lines. Uh, and that the first girl, uh, if she wasn't kicked out, then she went on to like go to college or something. He also explains. So the Spice Girls uh, left him. And went with a different manager. Mm-hmm. They they paid him whatever monies they needed for the the rights and such. Yeah, uh, they and they claimed that their original management wanted to like dress them all in the same outfits yeah. and do all this like cheesy like ill conceived played out stuff. Uh, and then whenever he was asked about, it, he said, "No, the whole point of the auditions was right. to find like five really distinct individuals." Women. Like, yeah, which is really obvious when you look at the at the five girls. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Backstreet Boys, like, at the time, they're very, like, most yeah, most of them are yeah. the same. Like, they all have I couldn't tell them stuff. apart. Um, the, if, you were, but, if you were into them, you could, like, you would, like, you started to figure out how to tell them apart. But, like, if you, <laughs> if that was not your, if that was not your thing, right. they were just copy and paste the same, like, cornflower white boy. <laughs> and Spice Girls are all, like, spicy and yeah. variety. <laughs> it was really easy to to tell them yeah. apart even if you didn't listen to them. I didn't mm-hmm. listen to them and I was like, "Oh yeah, I know the for the most part I knew them apart." Um I mean, those nicknames stick. Those too. nicknames stick. Yeah. Uh so what I found really interesting is he suggests that the reason that they left is because he had planned to remove one of the five girls. Right. Because he's like, "Well, it, it's a it's a product we're making a product and one of the girls is isn't cut isn't cutting it so we're going to replace her with somebody else and before that could happen the girls got together decided to form their own band and leave or their own 
management. Oh, yeah. That's girl yeah. power. And it is. And I, I think it's cool. I do wonder if perhaps it was Ginger who ended up leaving anyway down the road uh, uh, because of differences. Mm-hmm. Um, Could have been. But we'll we'll get to that. I don't know how to explain to uh, Gen Z how big the Spice Girls were. Well, let me let me see if I can do this. Well, you know how big BTS is now. It was like that behind the scenes. No, it's a K-pop band. Oh. That's, that, <laughs> I was thinking behind the that, scenes too, and that is the full extent <laughs> of what I know about BTS. Right there. I thought it was behind the scenes. Nope, nope. there's a, a K-pop band. Um, Are they called behind the scenes? They're called BTS. I have no idea what the fuck it stands yeah, for. I so don't, it could be. It could be behind the scenes. I don't see why it would be, but I don't know anything about K-pop. I don't either. We're old. Uh, We're old. So this should show it, right? So the Spice Girls became insanely popular before the internet was really yeah. the internet. There was, I mean, there there were some AOL chat rooms. Mm-hmm. Like Yahoo and Amazon, but very few. No, Amazon oh, wasn't. Amazon Amazon wasn't no, no. Yet. Amazon wasn't even a twinkle in Jeff it Bezos' just, little eyes. It might have been there. It just search Festering. engines. It was yeah. It was mostly just search engines at that point. It was um. I mean, it was what, like fan sites, Yahoo, Yahoo chats. It was, it, was, it was Yahoo. There was AIM, AOL. There was Ask Jeeves, Alta Vista. Like that was I about see, it. ICQ. So I don't even remember that one. <laughs> let me let me this MSN. this will explain it to you. Uh, so the girls were asked to go into a chat room, kind of do like a Q and A. Oh right, yeah, and they had no fucking idea they what they were no, doing. I will read the direct quote. Please do. This um, is good. Do you guys? Do you guys like AOL? I don't know who AOL are. Who <laughs> AOL are? <laughs> uh, this is Melby. Yep. Then she is told and she gives her, her answer. I love American Online. It's a chance to speak to the world. Afterwards, she will point to the computer monitor and ask over and over again, I want an internet. Can I have one of these? Yeah. Which Just is pointing at the monitor to the computers, like, <laughs> like which I imagine had to be like chunky CRT right. monitors, oh, <laughs> just like yeah. hanging out on these tables. <laughs> Even without the help of social networking and websites and the internet, they were able to become giants, War- like worldwide global successes. Yeah. It was pretty amazing. It was like the British invasion of the nineties. Yeah, in a way, it was. Like, that's a really that's yeah. a good that's a good analogy for it. Like Blin asked me here, like. Were they the as big as the Beatles? I'm like, ah, they weren't that big, but they also didn't last as long. Yeah, no. they were. It felt like they were just like a twinkle in right. the eye of Like their I career. said, I barely like, had time to eat the chewing gum before one of them left. It's like before, <laughs> like once I got the second CD, it was like the goodbye album. Because yeah. and- Ginger was only on the first one, right? Or was she on the first two? No, she uh, was on the first two. Yeah, because okay. she was in Spice World was the technical second album, but it also served it like doubled as the soundtrack to the. The movie. Yes. So in the Rolling Stones article, he he asks them about the the movie because it's not it's not out at the time the article is released. Uh, and Jerry says it's basically a parody of us lot, uh, a piss take of ourselves. It's an adventure. It's a thriller. It's a comedy. A thriller. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> and the interviewer, I think Chris Heath says uh, there have been, I point out, far more terrible pop star films than good ones. Why do they think this is going to work? Because, says Mel B, who has shoved a bread roll down the front of her shirt, I've got a third tit. Yep. 
Which should have been on the the box, like the release VHS. I can't believe they didn't include that bit in the film. Honestly, like it feels like a thing she would just do in the middle of like that, like that, uh, like that luncheon interview where uh, where Richard O'Brien pops up from under the platter. It feels like a thing that would happen then. I I feel like they really wanted to keep the PG. Yeah, probably. I want to dress up. I don't know. I mean, you got all that man ass in Italy. Scary Spice with a bread roll. No, no, Richard O'Brien hiding under the table. Riffraff. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> that would be a really hard it would be difficult to engineer. I might need some help. But just a lot of a, a lot, lot of glue and morph suits. Yes. Uh <laughs> this this connects to nothing, but I just want to read everyone picks their nose. So shrugs Jerry. President yeah, the Clinton article picks his nose. Yeah, the article starts with one of them just digging for gold. Right. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's, it's it's Jerry. It's uh <laughs> Ginger. 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 Oh my god. <laughs> There's also a portion where they talk about, you know, at the end of the day when they're all done being professionals they tie their hair up with g-strings if they don't have like scrunchies or whatever handy yeah they'll just use their underwear and apparently mel b would just use underwear regardless of its state of cleanliness right right. well she said uh, she smells of roses (laughs) yeah no obviously obviously her shit doesn't stink and the only one who doesn't do it is ginger not because she has any problems with it but because she she's always running out of underwear yeah uh and specifically during that interview she's like yeah i'm wearing mel b's Speakers because <laughs> I don't have any. Uh, so mostly I, I wanted to go through those quotes to demonstrate that the, the girls were way more fun backstage than they were in the movie there, or even in their presentation by magazines. Yeah, movie. there's a legitimate like chaotic wildness to the way they comport themselves yeah. that is compelling and fascinating to behold like i had like imagine being that interviewer like learning all this and seeing them interact with things and stop in the middle of it to try and do a magic trick with a tablecloth like yeah you're trying to do, do these res- like serious questions <laughs> how do you respond i've got a, tit. I've got a, third... Yeah, I've got a third tit just <laughs> like yep that's doesn't answer my question but sure uh, yeah. right. i don't know what that had to do with anything but all right you moving have, on you just have to react quickly in that and right. go with the flow <laughs> um there's also a couple of Bits. There's a lot of bits actually where they talk about what sucks about being famous, which is mm-hmm. uh, a lot of their exes came out with kind of like tell out tell all articles. Oh, yeah, uh, there were guys really getting shitty. like tens of thousands of pounds from tabloids for stories about sleeping with them, regardless of whether or not they were true. Correct. But there were some that were apparently true and like hit home and yeah. hurt. But then they're they're the heroes for sharing these stories. But then the women who engage in yeah. Consensual activity yeah. or also shame. And yeah. It's like the early internet. So you also have sites where specifically Emma is pictured as the devil holding a pitchfork, a pentagram on her tank top. The words, beware, Emma is Satan. She has no eyeballs. She she is the source of evil on our planet. She must be destroyed. <laughs> she has no eyeballs? This was before I had and, the internet, I think. Because... It, yeah, it was like early, early internet. It probably, oh man, it, the nostalgia is kicking because I could see like little gifts and then like little sprinklies. Like and little angel fire little angel site fire or site, Geocities yeah. or something. But like in response to this, Jerry leans over and like looks through Emma's scalp and is like, nope, no. No 666. No, no 666. Uh, Emma is not the devil child, quote. So the thing that struck me the most about that sequence is when uh, when Mel B is talking about the guy who sold a story about her and mm-hmm. who she was actually like really close with and like thought she had a connection to. Uh, and how she was talking about how, like, you know, I could like, easily have this guy's ass kicked or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, but, you know, but what's that really going to prove? What's that going to do? I'm not going to do any of that. I'm just going to move on. He got 40000 I've got a million. Who cares? 
Uh, and the next day, <laughs> like she, like the interviewer finds out, no, that guy got his ass kicked in the edit company. <laughs> Just like, wait, you said you weren't going to do that. And she just laughs it off and goes, no comment. Maybe somebody was just like a vigilante. Who yeah. knows? Vigilante <laughs> justice for the Spice Girls. <laughs> so let's talk real quick about their breakup. Because uh, yeah. prior to this movie, that's the thing I knew them for was that they broke up. So Jerry, I can't remember her last name. but Ginger Spice, well. Thank you. Uh, she left the group to have a solo career. And they tried to play it off like, hey, she's going to go do her own thing. She doesn't quite jive with the, the band, the other four girls at this point. Uh, and then as time and paparazzi happen, more has come out. She was getting more and more fights with Posh and Scary. Uh, I think more so Scary. I could see that probably being the case. Yeah. Because I want to say like her and Posh actually get along. Well, because... One of the things that gets talked about in that in uh in that that Rolling Stone article is their politics, and there was that crack that Jerry made about mm, yeah. Margaret Thatcher being the first Spice Girl, and the like the kind of shitstorm that that caused for them a little bit. And in discussing that, he point like the the uh, the journalist points out that Jerry and Victoria are both very conservative; mm-hmm. like they support the conservative party. Mel C. Uh, supports the Labor Party. Mm-hmm. Mel B identifies as an anarchist. And, right, yeah, and yeah. Then, yeah. And, I didn't know that. And Emma just, like, doesn't want anything to do with it. She right. tries to be apolitical. Which, like, if we were trying to figure out the personalities of the Spice Girls, like, that in and of itself is probably the, the best indicator. Yeah. Uh, and it's weird, like, of, of their personas that they put on, I feel like Ginger's is the one that's least like who who Jerry actually is. Yeah. Oh, I believe that. And yeah. then also I, I feel like her solo album did not do as well over no. here. I don't, I don't remember think it so. that much. Yeah, I haven't looked up sales figures, but I think you're right. I feel like as a child I would have remembered because I would have had the album and it would the, be on sale more places. You'd think, yeah. I don't remember it making a splash though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't even remember a song that she yeah. sings. I can't I couldn't name one. So she had agreed with the bandmates to continue uh, the tour with them up until like this, this will be the last concert. However, she had set up a, an event, a, a charity event where she was going to talk about like breast cancer awareness, which she was very passionate about because she had had surgery. Um, I think when she was 17 is what it said to, to remove like a small. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't yeah. Either. Uh, and when she was like, okay, well, you know, I gotta go over here and do this thing. The the organization was like, um, your manager said you canceled. So they had like oh. canceled it for her. And she's like, well, bye. Yeah. Which, That's actually kind of shitty. Yeah, it's like, really shitty. Like. It, uh, like, I, I can't. The, there was a weird thing that happened when I was reading the Rolling Stone article where I'm, I'm seeing their ages at you know, 1997. And they're all in their early 20s. And my yep. my brain still remembers me being a child and seeing them as adults. So even now, today, I'm like, oh, I am – they are old, older. But in truth, they were just a bunch of like young 20-year-olds making yeah. huge decisions. Like I would not have been able to, to do half of that stuff. Oh, my God, they, no. They did accomplish a lot just thinking yeah. about the short period of time and their success and like, their No age. wonder they were chaotic because they were a bunch of like – they're, they're kids. They're, they're yeah. practically, yeah. I mean, they're like they're young adults, but they may as well be kids. The frontal yeah, cortex point. of the brain doesn't develop until age twenty-five, and that's the whole 
part of the brain that controls impulsivity and behavior yeah. and stops you from pulling a tablecloth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all those all those things. <laughs> Reading about all this stuff behind the scenes, I'm like, I'm not surprised. Like I had some friendships in college when I was in my early twenties that was very volatile. Oh yeah. We're all like running around being a bunch of a-holes. Yeah. Like you do. Like you do. Uh, so we're gonna take a mini break while we bring on our surprise special guest to talk about feminism according to Ginger Spice. All right. So to talk about Ginger Spice specifically and the fuck she has to say, we've brought in emergency guest, uh, Belinda. Belinda, how are you doing? I am doing well. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to work in a pinch. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We just, you know, we found you wandering around the house and we're like, hey, she could do this. (laughs) You know, just. You know stuff. Come here. You know some stuff. But, uh. For real, you are somewhat of an expert in the, the field of feminism. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I guess we should say what Jerry said first. Yeah. To preface why this is even happening. So Jerry being, you know, the most vocal, like, girl power presence in the Spice in the Spice Girls, it's alarming to see her do things like say that Margaret Thatcher is the original Spice Girl. Uh, and then later on, uh, when the Spice Girls when the Spice Girls were actually going to be reuniting in 2007, uh, she was interviewed as and quoted as saying that, in her mind, feminism is bra-burning lesbianism. That's the exact phrase that she uses. Yeah. Jerry said some things that are a little troubling, especially for the, the persona that she was given as Ginger Spice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I guess uh, one of the things, I fell down a few rabbit holes. Um, actually, I fell down a lot of them in regard to feminism and the waves of feminism. Because um, previously, how I've mostly viewed feminism and studied it is through gender and development. And so I was going back through looking at it through this new lens with, you know, of course, my heart a little broken. I mean, I'm obvi- I'm a redhead for those that don't know me and who can't see me when listening to this. Ginger Spice was my Spice Girl because I was a ginger and it wasn't very often. I got to have people yeah. that looked like me. You got that and a little mermaid and that was it. Yep. Basically. Yep. Or they were always like the evil stepmothers and the like evil witches. And that was pretty much it. Though they did stick with Ginger Spice. They did stick to the over-sexualization of redheads. Yeah. <laughs> but. And uh, they sure did. That's a whole different conversation. Oh, I also really quickly want to point out. That in the interview, she said she doesn't like feminism because it emasculates men. She did specifically say that. Yeah. Uh, that pisses me off. Sorry. No, I think it's a, a good point to bring up. While being a feminist and an intersectional feminist, I don't think feminism emasculates men. But I think one thing that as feminists we have failed to do is to teach men how to exist in a new world. We focused so hard on getting women into male-dominated fields, focusing on equality and really kind of putting those masculine traits on a pedestal and a thing that hmm. women should be aiming for. Hmm. But in that, we didn't we, we still were kind of embracing that those toxic masculinity traits and didn't spend a lot of time teaching men how to exist in this new changing sort of paradigm in this different terrain is the word I was looking for. So I'm not surprised. While I was disappointed to hear she said that, I was also not surprised because that is something that we hear a lot, and not just in this argument. Think of trans-exclusionary feminists. Yep. 
to include trans is to be anti-women through their framework, which we know is a whole bunch of bullpucky. But that's the... <laughs> you can the, say bullshit on here. That's the... No, no, bullpucky was good. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's sort of a very... I see this as a very similar issue in regard to that. Yeah. Do you think that... I think Jerry's the oldest of the five. I think. Do you think that she grew up with a different understanding of what feminism was or yes, is? Absolutely. Because if you look at the time frame, so second wave feminism was really the 60s, the 70s. Third wave didn't really start taking root until the 90s. Okay. So yeah. she was raised by second wave feminists and surrounded by that. Um, and that second wave sort of, you know, that was the feminine mystique, the second gender but yeah, that was the wave that raised Jerry. Um, it is also the wave that was anti-prostitution, which we now use the term sex, sex work. work. Yep. But it was anti-sex work. And again, was the push for women to go into male-dominated fields. Yeah. And also at this point in time, there wasn't really a focus on race and gender. Yeah, there was no, there was no focus on intersectionality. And that didn't even really start to come until third wave feminism. But even then, we still live in a whitewashed colonial patriarchal society that's riddled with systemic racism. Yeah. So we have, you know, feminism, we have these different waves. And within these waves, we have all of these different theories from transnational feminism. And I could go on and on. But really what they lack is that sort of focus on race. And third wave feminism was coined by a 23-year-old black bisexual woman, Rebecca Walker. Um, and then the term intersectionality, even though it was coined in 1989 by Kimberly Crenshaw, you didn't really hear much about it mm -hmm. through time. Mm -hmm. It didn't make it, at least for myself, and I'll admit, I am a feminist who is white. So a lot of my experiences are through that lens. But it wasn't until we kind of saw the shift in the last few years with the Me Too movement, mm -hmm. this focus on intersectionality reemerging. So would you say that current feminism, would you would refer to it as intersectional feminism, not like fourth wave or whatever? So it technically is fourth wave okay. with a focus on intersectionality. That's the way I've always heard it referred to. Like I think when I was still in grad school in the uh the early 2010s, that was when I started hearing the term fourth wave. Hmm. Uh and it was always and those discussions in those classes and those lectures always focused on race, on queerness and on masculinity and the different ways the various levels of oppression, not even levels, the different styles of oppression all cross over and impact each other and how that creates wide-ranging effects for literally everybody. Yeah. And it's a lot of stuff that goes completely uninterrogated. So hearing her say that feminism emasculates men really upset me. Oh, it pissed me off too. Yeah. yeah. Just... I mean, the whole art, the whole thing pissed me off, but uh, except for the part where her... <laughs> Her, her PR crew's cringing in the background. That was hilarious. Yeah. That... Uh, <laughs> there was this part where she was like, oh, she was oh, so focused it. on providing that she was like, yeah. and I just provided you with your headline. Yep, there, there's that, your headline. Just... And and like on the one hand, I, I, I feel for her because I think she has been, she, you know, as a young woman was definitely exploited right. um, in different ways. And also she pushed girl power and she still does. I was uh, going through her Instagram and it's still yeah. all girl power. So her passion is there. 
but yet she's still anti-feminist, which is something I've really had issues kind of wrapping my head around. Because one of the things that, like, concerned me was that she's an ambassador for the UN. Yeah. For I maternal, that. well, that's for maternal that. mortality. Yeah, yeah. In that Guardian article that you shared with me, that's that really the whole point. talk about that, yeah. And, yeah, and I remember, like, reading that and being like, well, this just also proves how we view feminism as this whitewashed colonial thing because it completely erases the importance of feminism in gender and development outside of our historically white controlled walls. Yeah. I have a question. Absolutely. So when we speak about feminism, are we talking about feminism in the United States or globally? Like, I wonder if she, if the UK had a different form of feminism. There's a lot of, from my understanding, there's a lot of similarities and crossover. Okay. Because the UK has a very similar history Mm -hmm. in slavery, in colonialism, and all of these different things. And while our journeys have been a little different, I think there's a lot of things that mirror each other. And I'm saying that having not spent a lot of time studying it through, like, what how she would have viewed it sure but it's still a very white centric view of feminism and doesn't look at it from like the countries and continents she's going to gotcha she talks about it a lot in terms of how it makes her feel yes Mm -hmm. how she realized how privileged she was and that really is the the focus and i do get that when we experience things that aren't our norm they they are a shock and while the article, I think, is a few years old. It was 2007. Yeah, it's, I'd yeah, it's be curious to see if her, if at least, if she's had enough time to process it and see it from a less me, me, yeah. me standpoint. Yeah. But I don't know. I haven't sure. seen. So do you think, or at least I, I feel that when people speak negatively about feminism, they're mostly thinking about second wave. I think second and third wave. Yeah. Second wave had a lot of roots, had like a lot of political movements. And third wave was kind of a response to second wave. And so far as that third wave was a rebellion from second wave. Mm -hmm. But third wave was sort of what brought us the slut walk. Yes. Mm -hmm. We saw in the early 90s with focusing on sexual harassment in the workplace with Anita Hill. I could probably. We we can have an entire branch off a side podcast. Yes. All about feminism. Because like. All of this stuff is still widely debated, right. widely – there are so many different viewpoints and opinions that some people don't even – some people still think we're in third-wave feminism. Gotcha. So there's a lot of diversity in thought. Well, I have, I have one last question for you. If we were to say move one of these curtains and reveal Jerry, Ginger Spice, Hathel, Swarthen. Hallwell. Yeah. So I said. Just- and – she was to sit across from you, what would you say to her? That's a tough one. I think I, if I was sitting in front of Jerry and I ha- I could tell her about feminism, I, I don't know. There's, there's like, I think there are a lot of things I could say, but I'm wondering if the things even I said today would be helpful, like acknowledging The shortcomings of, like, where were the shortfalls of feminism? And also all the different schools of thought. And where are we now? What what is feminism now? 
maybe she didn't identify with second wave feminism, Mm -hmm. but maybe where we are now is something that might be easier for her to identify with if we ignore the fact that she's also a a, a Tory. Um, Uh, Do you think the Spice Girls did anything to help or hurt feminism as a whole? Compared to the other models that came out during my childhood, I think overwhelmingly their impact as a as the Spice Girls was positive. Okay. In so far that it was girl power and that was the thing that we needed at that time, whether the members of Spice Girls believed in it or not. But I know it had an impact on me. And when you think about it, and just let's go back to Ginger Spice. Her entire thing was to be sexy, but she, removing the fact that she's anti-feminist, she still was a woman who was sexual and sexualized heavily, but still works for the UN today. So Mm -hmm. there's still some positives I see in that, even with her having some problematic beliefs. She also won me over a little bit when uh, a few years ago, I think, what was her name? Uh, it's like Mila Jam in the UK. You know the song It's Raining Men? Yeah. yeah. She redid it to It's Raining Them. But and Ginger did that? No. No, no, no. Okay, no. Like, Mila but Jam. Mila, else. Oh, okay. yes. But she did it. And um, Jerry... Mm-hmm came out in support of it who okay. previously sung that song. So she won she right. won some like kudos for me because okay. it wasn't cuz I think sometimes we mix up the United States conservative right. that entails that is anti-trans versus maybe that's not the case other right. places. Well, JK Rowling well, doesn't help that. I mean no. it, British feminism in particular has a very big anti-trans problem, but it's it is reassuring to see her not fall into that. So that 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 is a good thing to see. So that shows some you know, some willingness to grow and learn. Third last question: <laughs> If you were to give Joe a spice name, what would it be? I'm in, I'm curious. Cat Daddy Spice. <laughs> Thank you, Belinda, for coming on. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you for uh, that. Thank you. <laughs> I very much appreciate your expertise. Um, look forward to having you on a full episode very soon. Yes. Perfect. We're going to take an actual break for, for now. Uh, yes. Guess. So uh, enjoy enjoy an ad. Welcome back to Drazzled. Last time we were here in your ear hole, we talked about feminism, and you, en- you enjoyed it. That's why you're still here, you beautiful yin's people's. Let's talk about stats. Jags. <laughs> <That's> Jags. <laughs> All right. Let's yeah. Let's dive into the stats for Spice World. So uh, released in 1997, it was nominated in 1998. I believe. I believe so. Chill. What do you think Spice World score is on Rotten Tomatoes? Is general score? Is it like a, a scale out of one to ten? It's or? a percentage. Percentage. It's a one, one, percentage one, to one to hundred. One to hundred. It's around in the seventy percentile range. Is that generous? Well, I want to hear what Joe has to say first. Um, I, I would guess for this one, given how thin the plot is yeah. and how many side plots there are, I think critic score, I'm going to say, is around 25. 
35. 35. Okay. Yeah, they were actually oh. a little higher than I expected. Yeah. I doubled it. <laughs> you, you, you were very generous. The critics are, are never that nice. Uh, I can see the audience score being that Now, the high, audience though. score, what do we think the audience score is? That, I yeah, think is... Probably, uh, probably more the audience score. I guess more so I wasn't familiar with the rating scale. Right, right, right. That's fair, yeah. After seeing a couple examples, of the differences between sure. the two ratings. So what do you think the audience rated it? Yeah, I would say around like 72%. <laughs> Yeah, I'd say around 70. 45. Wait, really? Yeah, it's it's the audience score is that low? It's weird. The the huh. critic score is higher than I would expect, and the audience score is lower than I expect. Way lower mm-hmm. than I would expect, I, considering I, the nostalgia some people have for it. Right. Like, wow. I wonder people if need it's to get because on there the internet, like back then people weren't rating movies, so now everybody is an adult you and that realizes the reality of the Could movie. Could be. That's my, right. that's my hypothesis. Wild. Okay. IMDb score. This is out of 10. Hmm. I'd say four. Okay. I actually know this one. Oh, okay. It is 3.6. So we were close. Yeah. You were close. Before we do the Razzies, let's talk about the Stinker Bad Movie Awards. Oh, it did get nominated for some Mm -hmm. stinkers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there is another Bad Movie Award show that actually started before the Razzies called the Stinkers uh, that mysteriously stopped after 2006. We haven't figured out why yet. Our goal is to bring back the stinkers. I would love to see that happen. They sound really interesting. <laughs> so Spice World did win Worst Picture, the stinkers. Yes. And what else was it nominated for there? The category is Worst Actress or B- British Singing Group Pretending to Act. <laughs> that's that's oddly specific. <laughs> sounds a little sounds a little <laughs> bit like the Razzies there. Yeah, a little bit. It's uh, a high, highly specific tailored yeah. category. <laughs> yeah, uh, but they won that one. I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. So in 1998, it was the 19th Golden Raspberry Awards. Again, they were nominated for seven Golden Raspberries, including Worst Picture. But they lost to an Alan Schmitty film. Alan Smithy. Schmitty. Smith. Schmitty. Smith. Smith. Smithy. It's Alan. Smithers. <laughs> <laughs> burn Hollywood Burn. Which I I know nothing about. I know nothing about this one either. So the only category it won was Worst Actress, which the Spice Girls in Spice World as themselves. So all five of them won. They got group nominated because group. So, yeah. Uh, It was nominated uh, again for Worst Picture. It was nominated for Worst Supporting Actor for the fourth best James Bond. As oh, really? The chief. Wow. Yeah. Which I'm like, he wasn't good, but he wasn't like Razzy bad. Whatever. Yeah, I didn't think he was terrible. No, he was fine. He didn't actually serve a purpose. No, just... he just like, plot-wise, he was pointless. For worst screen couple, they were nominated for any combination of two characters, body parts, or fashion accessories, which is another cheap nomination for whatever. Yeah. It got nominated for worst screenplay, which was written by Kim Fuller, who I want to say is their manager whoever's like in charge of them officially the spice girls that is that person's name is mentioned in that article it is um but it's not kim ah i think it's isn't it like sam fuller it might be sam fuller th- so kim might be related to yeah i think sam i think the director that ended up doing the film was related or like a friend of a friend of the fullers he also directed absolutely fabulous which yeah yeah he was i'm yeah, surprised he- that it didn't. It wasn't more that. You'd think that he would be bringing some of the comedy chops from right. that to help beef this up a bit, a bit more. But no, no dice. Uh, it was also they were also nominated for worst new star, which the, again the Spice Girls for themselves. Sure, and worst original song, too much. Which I don't know which one that. That is. was the one they opened with when they were rehearsing in the opening scene oh, of really? the movie. I thought, what's the come on song where they keep like 
Come on, come on. Oh yeah, that's the that's the one that I really liked that wasn't oh, really? on the album. Oh, yeah, that they had the, the controversial outfits with the Italian with, with the butts. The butts yep, song. All the butts. <laughs> I of all the songs, I mean the, the poppy one on the boat was kind of meh for me, but like that yeah. song I did not like. Oh yeah, um, that's true. My least favorite one on the album is probably Mama because <laughs> of how they showed that futuristic scene. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. <laughs> uh, Expectations. <so laughs> Those are the nominations. Uh, again, it only one worst actress. So let's uh, let's go to let's go to critique. So the way we do this is we talk about what worked first. So then the first thing we're going to talk about is the cast. What worked for the cast? I think the cameos definitely helped, even though they took a big portion of the budget. Elton Johning around was really just like a. <laughs> I would have liked to have seen <laughs> so why Elton Johning was Elton Johning around. I love that new verb. By the way, I'm going to reuse it yeah, all the time. I, we have to figure out what it is. And his glasses, like, they were his... pretty tame for Elton John. Right, by like... Elton John standards, yeah, they were definitely tame. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, like, the cameos were fun. Like They were they were definitely enjoyable. I wasn't expecting mm-hmm. Elvis Costello in particular, right. like, as a bartender, of all things. And then Meatloaf as the, uh, as the bus driver was great. He was fantastic. He's the MVP of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, I wonder who those cameos were for. That's the question, though, right? Like, who's going to recognize? I think at the top of the show, you guys were like, "Yeah, we didn't, we didn't recognize the cameos for the most part." No, like, I mean, like, I'm sure, like, my mom would have pointed out, like, "Oh, Elton, like, this is Elton right. John," or like, you know, like, like, that's an easy one to notice. Bob Hoskins uh, was in there. Yeah, but uh, no kid is going to recognize Bob no. Hoskins unless it's <laughs> like, "Oh, it's the guy from Roger Rabbit." It's oh, a Super Mario movie, oh, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, but he's not putting on an American accent in that in this sequence. So he just pops up all of a sudden. Like, who's that bald British guy? I'm trying to no imagine idea. the Venn diagram that both a Super Mario's movie lover and Spice Girl Spice World lover would be. Like, who that person is? Well, that's not- yeah, probably me. Probably <laughs> we, we, we got them in aesthetic. studio. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, I think a lot of the cameos are meant. for... For a British audience specifically, okay, a lot of younger American viewers and Spice Girls fans in particular aren't going to know who Hugh Laurie and Stephen Fry mm-hmm. are in particular at that point. That's like, true. They're, they're probably not going to have an eye for Elvis Costello either. I so, still like, know what he looked like. Until yeah. He so I think some of them, I think they're either going to be for the British audience or they're going to be for the adults watching the film with their kids. That makes sense. Which, sure, that's fun. Like... I, I, I there's get there, a little something for the adults, especially if you're bringing in like the younger kids who are the main demographic for Spice Girls fandom. Having something there for the parents is going to be important. Oh, absolutely! So they're not sitting there bored, and it's relatable to them. I remember oh, yeah. not knowing Elton John when I was younger, but then watching it as an adult, I'm like, oh, I know who that is. Sure, yeah, he stands mm-hmm. out like a sore thumb immediately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just I'm Mick. I've mixed feelings about Richard E. Grant's performance. Yeah, there are times where he's solid, and there are times where he's just like you're going too over the top yeah. for me. Like, like some of his reactions are just like not relatable at all. They're like utterly cartoonish to it. Like, in some points, the whole movie's kind of like that. Where I'm like, what tone are we trying to strike here? Because it at times it's like okay, this is just like I, wa- I watched Hard Day's Night before uh, writing the script because I wanted to see just how much they took from Hardy's Night. Um, and they kind of took like the playful tone, but then Spice World goes really big sometimes, you know, like bringing in aliens. That was a like, lot of special effects. R- I'm just budget, like, I'm sure <laughs> at the, t- I mean, at the time, it, it they didn't been. have the technology. We, we did talk a little bit about this where 
the budget was twenty five million, which is not that much for a major motion picture. And I'm like, where did the money go? And I we read a bunch of articles. We couldn't find it. The only thing that came up was was a uh, it was an interview with Richard E. Grant like a couple of years ago, uh-huh. where he's like, the girls were great. They were really fun to work with. They after like the first week of filming, they asked them to get rid of the other trailers because they all were just sharing one. And he was like, well, I'm not getting rid of mine. It's the biggest one I've ever had. Oh, so that's yeah. where some of the money went was to was to backstage amenities and trailers think, and such. I think so. Okay, uh, interesting. That does make sense. Because uh, a lot of the sets that weren't, I think, found sets, right? So you have the actual concert halls, the rehearsal right. hall, I think, I think look really nice. But say the the office of daily event looked v- terrible. Oh, yeah. It looked like a condo. It looked like a condo. I'm yeah. like, did you guys not have set decorations? Yeah, like a bad condo. Yeah. <laughs> a condo that they could make it rain in. <laughs> right, right. Now, the set design on the bus, that, that worked. The bus that was great. Was that phenomenal. was fun. That they, Yeah, that was that that was very enjoyable. They had their own, indiv- each one had their individual area yeah. for their their personality and yeah. style. That was great. Yeah, that so. was yeah, that was a good bit of set design fun. I like that. Before we go too far into that, are there any other cast members that worked? The girls themselves, I'm not sure of because they really. Damien. Oh, yes. oh my God! Yeah, yeah Damien was Raff. fantastic. Just he. God, I forget. Yeah, Richard Damien. O'Brien played that up so well. Yeah, Meatloaf and Richard O'Brien. Meatloaf, yeah. I think they could have done a little bit more with. Especially, he seemed into it. Yeah, like, he, he seemed into it. He he definitely you could tell he's putting effort into that performance. I think they could have done more with him. When did Fight Club come out? It would have been around the same time. Oh, I don't know God. if it was before or after Club. that. That's a good question. Because you can't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Because I, I wonder if they didn't, they just didn't know his acting ability yet. Oh, Fight Club was ninety nine. So okay, it was so later. it was not yet. Yeah. Okay. So he he followed up his his breakout roles, Dennis and Spice World, with uh, <laughs> with Bob, Bob. Fight Club. <laughs> what about the their manager? What was his R- name? Uh, Clifford. Clifford, yes. I when I was a child, I thought that he was a villain, but really he just wanted yes, them to do their moments. job. <laughs> yeah, not even ass. <laughs> well, like in as an adult who's worked in like various forms of entertainment, I'm like, yeah. If the girls didn't show up the day of, backstage would be chaos. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, people would be losing their minds. Yeah, not just not like, not just a manager, like no. everybody. The whole, yeah, it's like he took the brunt of all the pressure, right. and like nobody else was stressed out about. They were just talking about pitching this movie, right? Simultaneously, also, like why are you guys here? This is not the time. Yeah, this is you are <laughs> intruding on a really stressful situation right. here. What are you doing? Yeah, it's like do or die. Like it's you one of these moments. <laughs> writers in one ear, and you have the doc crew in the other, and this guy's just like, yeah, maybe I'll end it. <laughs> like so one extreme maybe to the next. Maybe is the day to hang myself. Which, Just, with all that in mind, I'm like, okay, this makes a little bit more sense. You, uh, anyway, anyway, let's <laughs> move on to the story. What worked for you for the story? Hmm. Besides Stephen Fry's being a judge part, which was fantastic, brilliant, <laughs> absolutely. I think the, I think the cutaway bits actually were some of my favorite bits. Like, but that doesn't really help with the story at all. Yeah, it's no. hard I'm to torn out of. It's hard to think of it as having a cohesive plot because there are so many subplots. Yeah. I would say the guy with all the animals and the riddles. I, <laughs> oh, I, that uh, worked. The, the boss, the yeah, chief. The boss, yeah. The boss's boss. I think that that was funny, even though some of the animals were – the rabbit it wasn't was real. It was funny, but I don't think it works. It's just – It's like, like individually the jo- there are jokes at work, but as a whole mm-hmm. thing – because I also mm-hmm. like the fantasy sequences excluding the one with their moms. That one was weird to me. That one – Yeah. I mean – 
And Sporty Spice looks older than all, the rest of them in that sequence. Her on the, actually, I think her on like the exercise bike was maybe my favorite part of that entire sequence. <laughs> but there's so little actual story, like through line for the Spice Girls. Them, I can't it's, really say what worked and didn't work. Is it's hard to pinpoint. It's not relevant. Thing. Yeah, like everything, everything that like really sticks out in my memory as like an enjoyable moment. It's tangential. Right. It's really difficult to really find something about the story itself that you could functions as a story. That just like sticks out from the whole movie. It's yeah. hard to pick a defining moment. If you like were that. to cut out everything that didn't relate to the plot, this would be like 20 minutes, 25 minutes. Yeah, it'd be and a that's short. because there's a lot of singing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, a wardrobe and costume changes too. They had a lot of that. So that was true. a significant yeah. amount of the budget most likely. Um, yeah. So I guess the parts of the story that worked were the parts that were funny, but not relevant. Yeah. I think that's the best way I can think to put it. The aliens worked. I I remember (laughs) before we did the rewatch, that's what I distinctly remembered out of the whole movie. (laughs) Maybe that was it. That is the one thing that stuck with you since childhood. So yeah, yeah, it's got to have done something. I just can't get over the fact that Posh called an extraterrestrial fat. Oh yeah, that would have. I forgot about that. Yeah, she signs his his tummy, and then he's like, oh, "You're so fat." And like, posh. That, that would not, not the time. Yeah, that would <laughs> like, not fly today. Well, well, even just the you know, it's probably not the first thing you want to say to an alien who's from another planet. Yeah, just, you don't know which powers yeah. they possess or if they can harm you. <laughs> you don't know how also, also, they need the language. To to that. <laughs> Although it could be, maybe it's a compliment. Maybe they see that as a, anyway. We'll never know, and the sequel's not coming. Uh, <laughs> th- themes. Is there a theme? We we always struggle with this one because there's uh, girl British power? British humor. <laughs> it's Britishness. British. Britishness. I think it, it succeeds is, in its Britishness. It actually, yeah, it leans into being British really hard. Which, bravo! Right. I think that actually is it is very appropriate. Just consider it is, if you consider the movie a distillation of and a, and a piss taking of them. Right. Right. Then, like, sure, yeah, that that's that's fun. I'm glad. I'm glad they did that. Because it would have been very uncomfortable to have actual Arlie Ermy come in and be the dance instructor, as much as I now want to see that. Can you imagine him teaching dance moves? No, no but also yes. <laughs> I feel like his character, if they were to do a sequel to Saving Silverman, I think that's what his, I think that's what his character in that would have done. I will nod because I'm not familiar with that film. Okay, that's fair. It's uh, been a long time since I've seen it. Either Isn't way, it? we're going to need a Ouija board. <laughs> that's also, also true. Rest in peace. Ugh. He and Meatloaf are dancing in the afterworld. Now I'll just that, say that is a image I will cherish for the rest of my life. Right there. <laughs> I assume he's still wearing the like drill sergeant. But he has hat. to. It's just stapled to his head. It's a part of him. Oh God, that's flesh. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> God, I hate it. Uh, okay, so this this will be a little easier. Oh, I guess the production. What do, what doesn't work for or what did work for the production? Rather, hmm. we talked a little bit about the sets. Some of the sets are, are yeah, cool. Yeah, the, the set the designs are cool. Yeah, some of the sets are cool. Yeah, the bus is great. I love that um. scene where the bus jumps the bridge. <laughs> Yeah, that, the, car. the gag, yeah, the, the the visual gag of the toy car going over the toy the toy yeah. drawbridge is stellar. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. That saves saves some of the budget. That absolutely saved some of the budget. Had to. That had to have been a, a meeting where they're like, we spent so much money on the trailers. I know that you had your heart set on actually <laughs> jumping this double decker over a, over a closing or an, uh, like an open drawbridge, but buddy, we just yeah. can't. They couldn't even afford an actual um, model of of the bridge. It's paper. 
Yeah. It's it's paper. It's, it's not paper. even like that's not con- consistency at all because no. it's like Elton John and then and then a fake card. Like how much did Elton cost? <laughs> yeah, I need a, pro- a pretty penny, I'm sure. Yeah. But because I, I hadn't really thought about this before, but if you if you're putting a whole lot of money into like having individual trailers for all of the girls, yeah. and then imagine what like like you think about what like a rock star's rider for backstage right, looks like imagine right. what it's going to look like now whenever uh, you have meatloaf for most of the production you have the entirety of the spice girls for every scene yeah. you have no, they, they did share their trailer after they the did show they did share their trailer after the first week richard didn't he wasn't sharing no absolutely <laughs> not just what do you think the most expensive i mean I think Elton was probably I, obviously the most expensive. What Elton was the had least expensive? And least all expensive? the extras too, like for the concert scenes. Oh, I mean, of the cameos. Of oh, the cam- Elton, Sir, Sir Elton. Absolutely. No, Elton, I think would have been the most expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Who, no, who's the least expensive? Least expensive, I think maybe Elvis Costello. I was thinking either him or Bob Hoskins. Hoskins, okay, no, it. Oh, just because he literally mm, is no. a single camera setup. Mm, no, no, no. It's it's either it's either Fry or Laurie. Why? Oh, because they're just like TV stars now. They're just TV stars at that point. Yeah, they're right. just they're just British TV comedians. You know what? Probably Laurie. I think. It, even well, though at that point they were what they were probably best known for a bit of Fry and Laurie. I think. Like that was recruited me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he didn't come over to the United States till what? One hundred one Dalmatians, the live action one. It might have been before that, but I'm not one hundred percent sure. But yeah, at this point, I I think they were probably the cheapest. You're right. Yeah. I definitely think Bob Hoskins spent the least amount of time on set, though. I bet, camera I set up. still bet that he was more than uh, th- than either Fry or Laurie at that point. That, that was when he was a little better known, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, he's got also a lot. R.I.P. I, also R.I.P. So many God people from this movie. Damn. Alan Cumming, he was he played a decent role. I would say yeah. he goes beyond cameo to yeah, having, he, like, he actually a, part a of literal role. He had a character. And... Yeah, he's he's in so much of the movie. Like, he, mm-hmm. I think he... Like his character doesn't serve a great purpose, but no. like he's there consistently. He has a lot of lines. I, I would definitely consider him more than just a cameo. I remember that microphone they were carrying around. Yep. I thought it was a mop <laughs> when I was a kid. <laughs> so I have a th- I have a theory as to why Alan Cumming is even there. So th- they've said that the Beatles movie uh, A Hard Day's Night was the inspiration, and it is shot as though there's a dock crew following the Beatles around. Oh, okay. They don't have like an Alan Cumming type of person talking into it. But it's clear that, like, this is a camera that's following the Beatles around. And I wonder if they're like, this is our nod to that. So, yeah, so he's kind of trying to make the Hard Day's Night version of the Spice right, Girls. Which honestly, movie. I'd prefer to have watched. Yeah. Who in the cast did not work? Hmm. Ooh. The, the mother with the baby? I, I just oh, thought that oh, was the random. Woman. I don't know. I think. The actress was fine. She, she I think was, the character is more yeah, the issue there. Yeah, so I think she that's did more it. of a writing issue. Yeah, it was just lack of plot. It was just kind of a subplot. Yeah, her acting was, was fine. It was just like unnecessary. Yeah, like she's thrown in there at the very beginning to like introduce her own presence and to make them godmothers. And then just does not come back again really. No. Un- I mean, I mean she, well, I guess she pops up at a couple of points, doesn't she? She pops up briefly at the interview that they're doing at mm-hmm. that luncheon and then just kind of like nervously leaves after yeah. they're like not paying oh, attention yeah, to her anymore. Ner- nervous. Yeah. But then she just literally disappears until she's ready to give birth on the dance floor. Right. To That's... be a plot and then, device. And yeah. then she just steals all the attention. Just... <laughs> so I don't think there's an actor in this movie that I would point to and say, you sucked. There's a lot of people I would point to and say, your character is not necessary. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think Richard E. Grant did a bad job 
But I don't even think the Spice Girls did a bad job. Mm. Especially not for not having, no. like, as much experience with right. acting. Right, sure, sure. They probably were just early 20s taken on for this big multi-million dollar project and yeah. they were along <laughs> for the ride. So, I'm going to say there wasn't an awful actor. That's rare. We usually have one person, yeah, at least, that we can really point to and be like, this was a problem. Yeah. yeah, the girls, they all did fine. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Even, I'm trying to think, like, the secondary characters, like, the guy who ran the tabloid, like, he played he, thing. he played like the greasy, corrupt, maniacal tabloid yeah. overlord. Well, I will I say think. he was believable. The writer for the Hollywood thing, I didn't like him, but I also wasn't like so bad that I yeah, like I didn't like him necessarily, mm-hmm. like, the, like the character. Yeah, but I think like the, the way he delivered things fit the kind of like yeah. overzealous and kind of pathetic vibe that he was going for up until yeah. he up until they got to like no this is the story and right. that's really what's happening and then, it was then happening he, in real then, time. then he's got a triumph about him that mm-hmm. i think works but like i don't know like, like the i guess i don't i don't like the gags it's or like that, really that, cliche the gag is done gag. it's overdone Pitches. yeah mm-hmm. if it had been like one or two times yeah sure I think one or two, and then you do your rule of your rule of three with yeah. the meta gag at the end of it, him actually telling the story that's being yes. presented to us on screen. Which but I they didn't... just had all these like unnecessary dinner dates and <sighs> yeah, and they like, do that a couple of times. How's Richard E. Grant flying all over the place? Plus, also yeah. managing the girls. It's it's. I would like it's to like... see like a was it family circus style <laughs> map of like Richard E. Grant just like dashing around the UK <laughs> slash Italy. It's like late season Game of Thrones nonsense where they're just fast traveling all around the yeah. globe for no reason. Just like, don't worry about it. Just... I didn't I, I didn't realize until I read the interview that the movie takes place over five days. Wow. That's yeah. right. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, it's wild that it is only a five day time frame. Like Yeah, uh, they traveled so many places for a lot. And I... then couldn't even sleep. They had to go to this like Training boot camp. <laughs> There's definitely some drugs involved. Uh, oh, there had to have been. I'll, I'll tell you later, but I did look up how long it would take to drive from London to Milan. We'll get to it. <laughs> I have bookmarks in both of yeah, the cities. <laughs> I, I have to brag about that. That is, <laughs> nice. that is pretty cool. I, I, I like that. <laughs> I mean, Italy, come on. Yeah. They have to have one. There. Um, uh, were there any themes that didn't work? I, uh, Girl power? <laughs> that, you just tell that aged. Just... <laughs> it did feel it did kind of clank every time Ginger was like girl power I'm like I mean even okay. just I think the way that it gets presented at some mm-hmm. points like when they're all dressing up as each other like the phrase girl, girl <sighs> yeah. power is almost thrown out like a joke they yeah. all say it instead of just like making Jerry. fun of Ginger yeah, yeah like when mm-hmm. when when Scary is dressed as Ginger like she's just throwing mm-hmm. it out there like it's this nonsense phrase that she throws out yeah. there which yeah I mean it almost highlights it, that it's a nonsense phrase when used yeah, by. It, like it, it makes it feel hollow. Yeah, in yes, some ways, that's and, I, and I don't like that. Oh God, do we have to talk about story? There really wasn't a story. Like, we've we've, kind of, talked we've about kind of addressed that already. Yeah. Like, there, like yeah, there's, still... there's so little story that it's hard to pinpoint anything. So yeah. like, no, like it just objectively oh, we'll just as a story, back. it doesn't work. It's just the Spice Girls with a bunch of subplots going yeah. on yeah. and cameos. And then the the yes. production we've also kind of touched on as far as it it looks cheaper than it should. Yeah. Um, and we don't know enough about 
what actually happened behind the scenes to address like, well, this happened or that happened. That's the thing. There's so little information about that. Like all the interviews that we were able to find were from either before the movie came out or well after the movie had been out for years. Yeah. And so after they have so much time to reflect and think yeah. about what they're older now too. So normally with time more comes out, but that's not been the case. They're uh, more secretive. Yeah. Well, they did reunite for the Olympics. They did. did. Was it all five of them or was it just four? I think it was all five. I think it was all five. And we didn't even mention how difficult this movie was to find. Yeah, that's the other thing. Like, it's as as though – it's almost like somebody wanted to bury this. It's almost like a Star Wars Christmas special. Oh, my God. (laughs) Where George Lucas tried his damnedest to hide it. Somebody at their record label (laughs) was like, we fucking can't with this. (laughs) Just burned every copy of it. I'm willing to rewatch that. (laughs) But fucking voodoo, if you know how to make it happen. There's a a bit of a sneaky way for you to watch it on voodoo. I think I did hear it's easier to find in the UK. Oh, that I'm not surprised by. Again, all the Britishness of it. So So if... Mm If you have a VHS, I think they're going for like 50, 60 bucks online. Really? Yeah, okay. something like that. Uh, I, I have be... a VHS of it. You're making like 50, 60 bucks online? There we go. Of all the movies yeah. we've covered, this has been the one that was the hardest to find. That is yeah. interesting. Yeah. Well, like, we had no trouble at all finding fucking Saving Christmas. I but thought it was this... going to be a pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah. And this was just. To the point where, like, we we had our watch along scheduled, and I didn't even bother really looking it up prior because I'm like, oh, of course it's gonna be uh, it's everywhere. Yeah, like the night before, we almost like pivoted to a different movie. Right. Yeah, we almost we, were going to just because we, we couldn't find cover... a way to stream. Yeah, we we were thinking about doing Freddy Got Fingered. Instead. Oh right, just yeah, like, I forgot about that. With all that in mind, do we think Spice World either well deserves the accolade singular <laughs> or lack thereof? I think I would need to see. Um, burn Hollywood burn yes. to be able to compare, I think. Just given that that one worst picture. But yeah, I think it does deserve the nominations. I think it deserves the things that it did manage to win. I, I do as well. And I feel like I'll have more information once I read that book that's coming yeah, out in yeah. August. Um, Very highly anticipated. Right, yeah. I don't think we've actually mentioned that on no. on Mike yet. What yeah, is it Mel Mel, Mel C? Yeah, Mel C. And in the fall, she's going to be releasing a memoir and mm-hmm. Apparently, she's going to reveal who Well, the I'm, dis- I'm hoping Hopefully. that she reveals who bullied her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she said I'm... in interviews that she was bullied, she didn't reveal who it was, and that they've since made up. Well, that's good. At least they made up. Yeah. Um, so she might, she might not. I did forget to say that when, when uh, Rolling Stone was speaking to their original managers, the original managers were like, oh, yeah, she was hands down the... Most talented. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Most and broad. Like watching it, you're like, oh, yeah. Like if anybody should have had a solo career, it was her. Yeah, her over Jerry Hallowell. Right. Because she could hit those notes and. She got right. pipes on her. Yeah. Like, like apparently, like the large consensus was that uh, the Mel's were the best singers in the group. That's okay. true. Mm-hmm. So we're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we're going to make Spice World even better. Hell yeah. I'm the Geeky Dad. And we're the Multiverse Kids. And sometimes we review movies, shows, or books. But all the time, we have fun. Join us every week and um, listen to our show. And sometimes we might even have a special guest. So join us at the Geeky Dad Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. We are going to do exactly what we said we're going to do. And that is 
makes Spice World even better. Yeah, we're not liars. We've never once lied to you. I think you still like karaoke, though. <laughs> I wouldn't lie. Motherfucker. About... <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> the number of times I've just sat brooding in a corner wishing I was doing karaoke, but had to uphold my persona of hating karaoke. I can see brood. you just seething in the corner wanting to get up there and belt out some Dolly Parton. <laughs> just... <laughs> Maybe for Dolly. I might do it for Dolly. <laughs> so the first thing I want to do with this script is talk about the addition of a character and two recastings. Okay. Initially, I had said while we were watching the film that I was going to replace Richard E. Grant, but uh, watching it a second time, I was like, one, they're not using this guy who's full ability, and two, he kind of grew on me a little bit. However, I did need somebody who was an actual hard ass, because at no point in the movie do they actually take Richard E. Grant seriously. Cl- Clifford. Right, right. So yeah. I've that's not a scary name no. either. Like I couldn't, I couldn't take anybody with the name Clifford seriously. <laughs> just think of the big red dog. Right. I'm so no. All the burden, the insecurity that person would have to grow up with. Yeah, Cl- Cliff. Like I guess that's what. Yeah, they do. Cliff they would be good. Do. But then you, but then you have to deal with being re- known as the shitty mailman from Cheers. And, uh, <laughs> so what I did was I split his role in two, and I kept him for movies and merchandise. So that those meetings with the Hollywood dudes can happen in Hollywood, and then oh, okay. the manager can actually be the manager. And uh, I've created the character of Tabitha, played by Emma Thompson. Ooh. 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 Okay. And I feel like she can be scary when she wants to. She can be supportive, and she can she can be a girl boss. <laughs> the <laughs> The other character, or the other actor I replaced, was the writer. Because I, I said it. I said I was going to do it. And by God, I said I was going to put Matthew Lillard in here. And you I did, fucking did. You did tell us oh. you were going to put Matthew Lillard yeah. in here somewhere. So I'm like, this I, is a 90s movie. I can use Matthew Lillard. Fantastic. Absolutely. I, I like that call. That was. Yeah, we were talking about. <laughs> it, he's going to be a mix of Stu from Scream and I don't know the character's name, but the character from SLC Punk. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's, he's on our, well, he's on my personal, like, terribly underused actor list i loved him in the movie without a paddle and that's just because yeah. i'm a huge oh, I seth green about fan that, I about yeah, too. that was them and dax shepherd right yeah okay seth green. so the way i'm going to fix this movie is what i refer to as the great 90s solution and what that means it here's the look on your face yeah i'm, <laughs> Very I'm skeptical. <laughs> I, i'm just that phrasing worries me and not <laughs> Is it Y2K? Just, no, it's just a little <laughs> too close to final solution for my liking, but... <laughs> no, you're right. Just, the, we'll, we'll send the, the branding back for another go, but for now we're going to go with the great 90s solution. Okay. <laughs> Fuck. So, the great 90s solution. Here we go. I propose that we fire the entire crew on Spice World and replace them with the entire crew for the real world. Oh, solid plant. That is not very nineties. Huh. Mm-hmm. Very. That, that's that's a solution. Extremely nineties. I agree. That, hmm. So we we shoot it like an actual documentary, thus really pushing the Hard Days Night reference. Sure. We keep Alan coming as quote unquote director, because apparently there's a problem with budget. We partner with MTV Entertainment Studios, who is prepping either prepping or has just released Beavis and Butthead. Well, Beavis and Butthead have been out for a while okay. at that point. 
The, uh, sorry, the movie. The movie. Oh, the movie. Oh. Yeah. Um, but they're still desperate because they released Joe's apartment and it didn't go super well. It didn't oh, go super well. I remember well. that. No. Did you guys do that one yet? We no, have we've not done Joe's apartment. I'm, I would one, actually be excited to do that that's one. That's one of my favorite movies. I, I don't think I've ever <laughs> seen it. And then we are going to – I do want to keep it as British as possible. Oh, yeah. We're going to bring in slash steal the improv cast from Whose Line Is It Anyway, the British version, as script doctors. And they are required to have two members on set at all times. <laughs> and their job is to take the girls, their humor, and – I'm trying to think Punch of Punch it up. Thank you. Spice I really, I really Damn, it was spice it up was right there. <laughs> Shit. I, I was trying not to say that. <laughs> uh, so that, that's what I would do for the production. Uh, okay. And kind of a mix between doc style, like real world stuff. I don't I don't want to have the um, confessional booth. It, it would kind of ring a little too weird for this movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Be too, like, too uh, redundant. Yeah. So let's get into the actual script. I like the opening that we have in the movie, the r- original movie, where it's kind of like these... Um, 70s vibes, silhouettes of the girls dancing. Right. I want to push the Bond aspect of it. So bring in like more Bond aspects, but if it was like a Bond intro with a acid trip put on top. Okay. So like not quite Austin Powers? Correct. Okay. Yeah. It takes itself a little bit more serious than Austin Powers. So so at all seriously? <laughs> yes. Just, yes. Okay. <laughs> so after the credits, we cut to Nicola on the toilet in a public restroom. We can hear the booming concert in the background. She's trying to pull herself together. She is extremely pregnant. She dabs her eyes, uh, tears away from her eyes, and exits the stall. A wedding ring is left on the toilet paper dispenser. Oh. Nicola emerges from the bathroom to see the documentary crew has waited for her. This is where like, we go into the, the doc style. Okay. Uh, less than thrilled, Nicola says, oh, you waited for me. Uh, Alan Cumming <laughs> explains, of course they would. She's the Spice Girl's best friend. Uh, the one that quit to choose a humble life of non-spicery. Oh, we're making her the sixth oh. one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And like quasi our surrogate into the world, but she's she doesn't follow them all, all the time. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, she's got a baby on the way. She's, she's tied down now. So. Um, we follow Nicola and the crew back into the concert just in time to see the finale of the show. So we get like the big Spice Girl number where they're introduced. Uh, post-show, we still see – it's more of a caravan of Spice Girl peoples, which would be more how it would actually be in real life anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, going backstage, <laughs> Elton John is then accosted by the girls, Nicola, the doc team, everyone. Originally, I was going to have him – and I couldn't think of a way to make it work in like a shortened version where he just is there because he likes to do backstage work. <laughs> like he just is fucking with the like the fly system. I bet they paid him per second. <laughs> they paid him per second. Um, like it's you know how um, he pulls out an IOTSI card. Yeah, and just... <laughs> yeah. It has two IOTSI references. Back I to know. Back. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've lost entirely. <laughs> it's the image of him in like a grease monkey suit with like a big wrench <laughs> but still his giant gla- oh, like God, the yeah. most flamboyant glasses Absolutely. he owns oh just... it's it's kind of like how daniel day lewis like went and made shoes for a little while because he's just like doing it fucking method acting motherfucker yeah. just... well i think this was like to purge himself of whatever character he'd done he just like oh went and made... so he just went and became a cobbler yes. for fun that is absolutely <laughs> just... right yeah elton john does that but God. learns the fly system i'm in between albums so I'm yes here here manning the curtain right, <laughs> right. Not explained, just there. Uh, so we still get the same crowd scene 
Um, except for I want the girls to be really into it. Like I want this to be their favorite part of being Spice Girls. Which we got a little bit of that, but not a whole lot. They didn't seem very excited no. in the movie. Like it seemed like their work was a drag to them. I know, they, like they, they did like it's the a job, work. but and even when they met the fans, the two girls are on the boat. It was like, eh. yeah, like whatever. You're just randomly along with us for the, the fun right, ride, right? But I, <laughs> I'm like, you should probably play up enjoying. I mean, I, I don't think anyone who's like 22 wants to hang out with a bunch of kids, but no, yeah, <laughs> fake it. Uh, Nicola tries to follow them onto the bus, but is blocked by Tabitha. Uh, begrudgingly, Nicola joins the dock crew in their teeny tiny dock van. After saying their hellos uh, to their beloved driver slash bodyguard, Meatloaf, who is playing Meatloaf. Oh, he's not playing Dennis. No, he's no, playing he's, Meatloaf. He's meatloaf. I yeah, okay. he's a cameo. <laughs> he's more than a cameo. He's, he's the MVP. Meatloaf. Uh, <laughs> meatloaf, very important. The, the girls sit down and Tabitha and Clifford lay out the plot of the movie. So the Spice Girls are going to prevent World War Three. So I, was, I had a problem with there not being any stakes in the original one. So you, so you put the biggest stakes? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, here's what happened. The 90s solution? <laughs> the 90s solution is the Spice Girls. Uh, I saw, I was looking through like bands who made movies and like the titles and just, I was curious. Sure. And there's something like Kiss Saves Christmas. Kiss Saves Christmas is a fucking thing. Which yeah. I always thought was a joke, but apparently is not. Apparently it actually they, exists. If, yeah, no, that's a real thing. I knew they had comic it's... books, but, uh, <laughs> so that'll be something I watched in my life. There's a lot of questionable Kiss media out there. <laughs> that, that is true. So you see Russia and the United States are at each other's throats, eager for a proxy war, incited by conquering a tiny, thin strip of land that neither of them really cares cares about, which, like, only happened that one time and never again, and this is complete fiction, so. Um, <laughs> however, leaders on both sides have agreed to meet for peace talks only because Bill Clinton and Boris Yeltsin are huge Spice Girl fans <laughs> and really want to see them perform. The idea of Boris Yeltsin being an, <laughs> like a gigantic Spice Girls fan is... Like, you can almost see Bill Clinton doing it. Excellent. Oh, yeah. 100%. Definitely <laughs> Boris. <laughs> so so the, the movie basically consists of them preparing for this world-saving show. Okay. That's high stakes. The, yeah. <laughs> uh, so after they are explained this by their managers, they're left to discuss their own anxieties. Um, while Meatloaf is also there to... Meatloaf basically acts as like kindly old father figure kind of like what brian was kind of suggested to be in in the rendezvous restaurant yeah uh well he's actually gonna take that role he's gonna okay. be like their their guardian giving yeah. them old sage advice so like if, if tabitha is like mean angry parent uh meatloaf is like you know you go ahead you go ahead <laughs> um he's it, taking a shine to these girls so, yeah. He'll protect them at all costs. There we go. That's, that's so uh, <laughs> they vent their anxieties in different ways. First, Ginger is sociopolitically aware and eager to see the people of definitely not Ukraine are not abused in this pissing contest between the two big powers. Scary suggests that Clinton and Yeltsin mud wrestle. She would. Oh, my God. She absolutely would suggest that. Yeah. I for, we forgot to mention that... Um, I think it was Ginger pinched Prince Charles's ass. She did. She yeah. absolutely uh, And pinched. then explained oh. to him what a Prince Albert was. <laughs> yep. And apparently Stephen Fry was co was uh, present for that conversation. <laughs> that makes whole, me so happy. Just oh. a whole different story. <laughs> just what, what about the guards? Like <laughs> Those guards are vicious. They did not protect their ass. 
(laughs) (laughs) Baby just wants everyone to get along, which Scary mocks. Posh, who in this version is super overprotective, or not overprotective, but like very protective of Baby. Okay. um, And not particularly a fan of Scary Spice, tells Baby, that's a very nice thing to want. Like, you're fine. I wanted to humanize (laughs) Posh. And having her, her, her character does nothing to do that. <laughs> no, it's it's very much like the old writer's trick of like, how do you make this person the known as the good guy? You have them like protect a kitten. Yeah. So Posh is honestly, she reminds me a lot of Emma Frost from the X-Men. OK. So if you have her protect the most innocent of the Spice Girls. Hence then, baby. Yeah. Hence yep. baby. She'll be a little bit more likable. Yeah. Okay. It seemed like she she was angry the She's whole angry movie. And, and pouting the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Sporty, who, like, we still keep her as the athletic one, but we also add that competitiveness and determination. Okay. Um, I agree which with that. Uh, is great. And I forgot to use it at any other point in the script. So, <laughs> but the scenes ends with the girls all agreeing, like, yeah, we, we, we're going to put our all into this. We cut to Clifford, who's taking a meeting with Hollywood. The producer is introduced as this hip young writer uh, of this so called millennial generation. Matthew Lillard. He is there to pitch Clifford on the Spice Girl movie. Uh, It's kind of a recurring gag where Matthew Lillard pitches famous movies. Uh, Then we cut away to like see the girls performing these famous movies that like we all know is like, oh, that's like a clockwork orange. But oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) The Spice Girls as droogs. Right. That that would actually be entertaining. I really like to see that. I would definitely have that poster. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> um, the third best James Bond represents MI6. I'll Hold never on. say. <laughs> wait, third best. Uh-huh. So you've wait. So you've you secretly recast Roger Moore? Possibly. Now I'm suddenly forgetting which James Bond is which. Hold on. Wait, <laughs> who are you? Who are you replacing him with? Well, it's in your heart, Joe. Who do you think the third best James Bond is? I'm not stupid enough to say this on the internet. <laughs> that's what this God is damn it. <laughs> let's just see let's just see okay okay i want to go in blind you know what here. yeah at the end of at the end of the summary i want you to guess who i have in mind for the third best james bond oh, you don't actually name him at any point no you motherfucker no. Well, you, you already know we already know that i think roger moore is the fourth which i'm sure i'll get shit for you probably I, i'm i'm shocked honestly really? but um and that, that that is for all time right that's not like mm. just at 1998 like that is including Anyway, not important. <laughs> Just... So he he's an actual agent. He works for MI6, and he's putting pressure on Tabitha, like, don't fuck this up because it'll call, cause a world war. So Tabitha is way more stressed out in this one. <laughs> Again, stakes. Right. Uh, we, we get the same rehearsal scene, except this time Nicola enters, like, out of breath because she's just now caught up to the girls. This is where she explains, like, Trevor, her husband, has left her. And... We also, that's where we get a little bit more understanding of, like, she was the sixth Spice girl who then left to start a family, which that has gone super well. She feels abandoned, alone, scared. And this is when the girls rally around her. And Alan Cumming is just, like, looks in the camera. He's like, nice. (laughs) (laughs) So this is when we cut to Department H, which is Canada's branch for extra sneaky spy shenanigans. (laughs) Headed by McMaxford, along with Brad. That was a little one for me. Uh, Department (laughs) H is... The department in Marvel Comics that had Wolverine. Okay. Coated with adamantium. This is them. This is them. Yeah. yeah. You've inserted this into the MCU, is what you've just told, is what you're telling me. Well, the comics, not the movies. Oh, okay. So yeah. this is Earth 616. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
That's perfect. Uh, stupid. This, this now we can have our Squirrel Girl Spice Girls crossover. In the I'm future. in. You've sold me, you son um, of a bitch. Let's go. They've been put in charge of ruining the Spice Girls and in turn causing the United States, Russia to destroy each other, thus leaving a power vacuum that Canada can fill. <laughs> they meet with Riff Raff, who is exactly the same. I changed nothing about him except for his mouth is always slightly ajar. Oh, that's, yeah, that's like, a nice like, little adjustment. Yeah, <laughs> kind of like Nosferatu, but a pervert. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make him too too pervy. No, 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 no. He needs He's, to be lovable. It's, it's still PG. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it's you're like, something about that guy. <laughs> I mean, it's uncomfortable. I, yeah. I just want to know how he got out of the toilet. Like, that, <laughs> that's been a mystery. My Vaseline. special effects. There's so. lots and lots of <laughs> Vaseline. Lots of Vaseline. <laughs> Uh, we get another scene of Clifford suffering through pitches. I I went with My Fair Lady, Evil Dead, and The Clockwork Orange. Okay. Um, and then the last pitch leads into the Hercule Perot bit. So it transitions to that, um, except for the girls are dressed as the other characters. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we trans- transition from that into Baby Spice complaining about always being seen as a baby. Uh, and, and the girls in general just being upset that they are one-dimensional. Oh, so we're using it more as like dramatizations that play into their interactions rather than them kind of playing up the idea into the dra- into into the cutaway. Yes. 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 Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that that was um, that 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 sounds good. Uh, so they start talking about like the contradictions to their public persona, such as Sporty never misses Renfair. Posh has worn the same sweatpants to bed for the last six years. <laughs> Scary is a renowned drag show judge. Ginger can tell a man to fuck off in 24 languages. Nice. And Baby is a Proustian scholar. Proustian? 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 Mm. Yeah. Yeah, she is. I like Mm. those adjustments, Mm. and that promotes the feminism as well. They're not just that one thing. Mm -hmm. They have another another purpose. Additional levels of diversity added to their their state of being. Um, Well-rounded character. God, those sweatpants smell awful. Uh, (laughs) Cutting to the photo shoot, the conversation continues. It's scary that says, still, there are times I wouldn't mind being posh for a day or sporty. This leads to the costume montage, which I liked in the movie for the most part. Yeah, Yeah, they played around, got to pretend to be one another. Because they're fucking around, they don't get a very good photo for their photo shoot. Which is th- that was meant to promote the show. Mm-hmm. So like they're like that's a blurry photo where you dress like John Travolta. Oh, yeah, and the, um, the photos were not not the best no, no, ones. No. Which which we cut to Department H where Riff Raff hands over several scandalous photos. One uh, a special interest is the photo of Baby Spice cavorting with John Travolta, who's actually just Sporty Spice in drag, but mm-hmm. everyone just thought she was John Travolta. Uh, <laughs> the scandal hits. Third best James Bond yells at Tabitha. Tell Tabitha yells at the girls, who apologize but explain that like they need to have fun from time to time. Tabitha drags them to a dinner event where Nicola sits waiting for them. Somewhat spiraling, Nicola de- can't decide which of the girls to make godmother. Feeling guilty and needing connection, she starts to cry. The girls say that they can all be the baby's grandmother, and Nicola's like, "That's not how that works." And they're like, <laughs> "Who gives a shit with the Spice Girls?" <laughs> They do what they want. They do what they want. Girl power. They immediately are pulled away by Tabitha to do interviews, each of which serves to increase the stress of having to be peacemakers. Uh, We do get the Catholic moment, but at the end of the joke, Ginger does like finger guns, which is the photo that Riffrack gets. Perfect. And then is the ones in the paper. Uh, And everyone like freaks out like this is this is going to be awful, except for the Pope then comes on TV and thanks Ginger for asking the question. Is the Pope Catholic? Because it caused him to have this moment of introspection where he pondered, what is a Catholic? And am I embodying it in its full? Oh. 
a very huh. interesting yeah. spin on it. Hmm. Yeah, I think that'd been John Paul the second. That would have been John Paul too. I, yeah. Yep. The third best James Bond tears Tabitha a new asshole for the Catholic thing. Sure. The Italian backup dancers arrive for rehearsal. <laughs> um, I wanted to be like this. They are rehearsing. They're not doing this like mini show before the show. Like that was really confusing for me in the movie. Um, I want there to be way more interactions bef- between the Spicy Boys and the Spice Girls. Like <laughs> the interaction with Baby was great, and I think it was very good. The, just and this is weird to say, but like the girls treating these meaty boys like meat is hilarious. <laughs> But then, like, Baby Spice treating him like, this is a, a potential potential friend to friend with. Um, <laughs> more of that, please. Mm-hmm. So, Tabitha still demands that the Spice Boys are cut, right? Like, that's not going to fly. She's pissed, especially when he suggests the compromise of the, the ass cheeks, which is when she gets, like, a call from third best James Bond, who's like, no, no, no. Yeltsin's going to love that. <laughs> I mean, the pants were definitely cut. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this this might actually help our case. Yeah, this is, <laughs> get those chaps. Oh, my God. Get so more Elton time. I, I apologize to, to all the Italians out there. The boys and the manager cram into a 1968 Otto Bianchi Biaccini Berlini Quattropostoli. Don't look at me. <laughs> <laughs> what did you just say about my mother? <laughs> She's the spicy meatball. <laughs> no, no they, they jump into a what? So they basically jump into a 1960s teeny tiny Fiat. Oh, okay. Well, it's funny. Cool. It's a bunch of meaty boys in a tiny car. Yes. No, that's very good. And they all like are arguing in Italian to each other. Uh, and they, they, they promise like, okay, well, we're going to keep doing our meaty boy things and we'll meet you at the concert. I mean, coincidentally, like MTV in the future yeah. developed Jersey Shore and that the, was essentially those, that. Those meaty boys grew up to be Jersey Shore. Yes, yes. That's the solu- <laughs> 90s solution into like, what, 2006, uh, seven, mid-2000s. Whenever yeah. Jersey Shore was a thing. It plants the seed for the idea for once all, once those meatheads are right of age to do that. Yes. <laughs> On their oh, way back from God. Milan and it takes... 15 hours to drive from Milan to London. There it is. Also, there's some water in between there. The girls pick up five hitchhikers. To the audience, these are clearly five terrestrials dressed in the fuzzy outfit of Jamiroquai's virtual insanity. Oh, I love Jamiroquai. I love it. I I won't Like, there's a a scene that is not in the movie where these aliens are like, okay, we got to put ourselves, we have to like disguise ourselves to fit in among the humans. And the first thing they turn, they see is they turn on TV is Jamiroquai's virtual insanity. So they, they start to dress up and be they, like humans and what? go out clubbing? Yeah. Well, they, they hitchhike and the, the girls just think they're Swedish. <laughs> they then like start grilling the girls on like US, Russia relations and like what they're going to do and blah, 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 oh, blah. planting the seed for the potential just, well, conflict. When they're finished questioning the girls, the Jamiroquais say, like, oh, we've arrived at our de- destination, which is, like, five minutes away from where they were picked up. Uh, they exit, and, like, Gleep Blorp says the fate of humanity is in good hands. Like, they were just checking in to see, like, how's this going to go? Because if, like, Russia and U.S. are going to bomb each other, <laughs> we might have to, like, dip our toes into muddy waters. We may have to reveal sense. ourselves right. and intervene. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to reveal we're not a bunch of Jamiroquais. Um, <laughs> The girls wake up to the daily event reporting that the Spice Girls had a wild and crazy night with some Swedes. Mm. 
thus continuing to push the joke that Jamiroquai's are just sweet. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> uh, the boot camp team is the same. Um, I wanted to do something with Posh, but I ran out of time. So she's she's still just womp 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 womp. <laughs> Sleeping in the manor, we see the Spice Girls have a shared Scooby-Doo inspired dream <laughs> that ends with the the ghoul. I couldn't think of like what's a very 90s monster. Maybe that Godzilla. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> Gremlins are 80s, right? Yeah, yeah. they're 80s. Yeah. It's All right. Um, hmm. I still know what you did last scream. Oh, yeah. Scream. <laughs> It'd be weird for there to be like a full-on slasher, though. Yeah, I mean, that's if you're true. gonna go, if you're gonna go Scooby Doo, then like it's like a ghost or like some mm-hmm. kind, of, some kind of a... Halloween. So it's a cartoon version of. Uh, we already have Bill Clinton in there. It's so like a Frankenstein or something. Yeah, or, I don't know. It's like a Frankenstein with glitter. I don't know. Anyway, they unmask the monster, revealing Tabitha, which Ooh. like Ginger doesn't believe it, so she pulls the Tabitha mask off to reveal Nicola. Nicola then admits that she was just being a ghoul to get attention. <laughs> Subtle. Riff Raff emerges from the toilet to take doctored photos of the girls sleeping. Because in the movie, they kind of just drop that thread. Like, he he train spots his way up. Yep. And then He, he does happens. all the work, and then he doesn't yeah, get anything just, from that. Yeah, like, he's tired. Yep. <laughs> he so, used so much Vaseline to fit through the toilet. Uh, he was like, I, I need to pass out. He actually couldn't hold his camera because it's too slick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just... he had to abandon the mission <laughs> uh, that's the sound he's going in the hall anyway uh, he places a PBR pounder in Posh's hand oh yeah. oh to take the oh, picture right. make, oh. make her look trashy right oh, in not... Baby Spice's hand he puts originally I had a copy of like A Brief History of Time and Space but then I was like nah we're doing the Proustian thing let's have an issue of Spawn number one Spawn <laughs> which is very 90s I feel he then takes one of Baby's stuffed elephants and brings it to Scary's room, where she then he then tucks it in Scary's arm. Oh, nice. So make yeah. it look like she stole it. Yeah, I had trouble thinking of sporty spices because I was gonna like oh like junk cheeseburger. Food. But in real life, Melcy had an eating disorder, so I was like, let's yeah. oh let's, from that. yeah, let's see what stay yeah. away from. Yeah, that Yeah, that's then. not yeah. So instead, I had him put a marble menthol into every one of her fingers. Oh God! <laughs> just, just chain smoking marble menthols. Couple in the mouth, maybe in the ear, uh, and then Gin- Ginger gets the uh, Rambo trilogy on VHS. Nice, which feels appropriate for actual Jerry, but not well. Ginger, just we're gonna do. Uh, the tabloid reads: Do we really know the Spice Girls? A fight breaks out between Tabitha and the girls, but it doesn't explode yet. We then get another Hollywood pitch, this time Officer and Gentleman, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and Kramer versus Kramer, the musical. Kramer versus Kramer, the musical. I've watched two, one out of the three of those movies, and I'm not going to say. Um, <laughs> the boat scene is similar, except the girls are played by small Canadian men dressed as school girls. So they intentionally fall off the boat to make the girls look bad. Oh, yeah. okay. And this leads to Tabitha firing Meatloaf. Because no. he's the bodyguard and he's supposed to make sure this shit doesn't happen, oh, make sure no. everyone's safe. That would make a suspenseful turn in the right. movie. Well, then, because of that, the girls don't not only feel guilty, but they're also pissed. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, they feel betrayed. Because he's kind of their, like, fatherly yeah, figure. He's their like, elder. mentor. Tabitha reminds him that they may be a bunch of young women, but people rely on them for income and jobs and world peace. The girls st- storm off. The Canadians celebrate. Uh, so the girls split off each, and I want them to have similar 
dream sequences like they do in the movie where we see rendezvous back in the day only we're seeing like each one of them remembers a portion of it but it, it all ends with nicola leaving the spice girls to start a family so we get them singing wannabe but it ends with nicola being like no like i met this man we're gonna start a family and this all happens at the central location of rendezvous which in this rendezvous is a gay club and meatloaf was the bouncer huh i yeah. like that so twist and even even there, he's protective of the girls. Sure. Elvis Costello serves Tabitha and Clifford drinks. They agree that they should shag as the world might come to an end tomorrow. This is something that they do by falling out of frame and onto the bar floor. Elvis Costello watches in horror. <laughs> he's going to have to clean that up later. Yeah. Just... Why do you take that side gig, man? He's <laughs> <laughs> between albums. It's rough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So to show that they haven't forgotten and that they still appreciate their friend, they decide to take Nicola back to rendezvous. More as like a nostalgia thing than a let's go clubbing with a pregnant friend. Okay. This is the one and only location, of course, where they've performed as a six-person band. Right. Because they performed once and then she left. Nicola, while genuinely having a good time and feeling better for the first time in a long time, goes into labor. This interrupts the drag show. And since Meatloaf is fired, no one is there to drive them to the hospital. In this, none of the girls know how to drive, because why would they? <laughs> Which the drag queens are like, that's fine. The nearest one is haunted anyway. <laughs> right, because he says it looks like a ghost hospital. Yeah. Just... And, and the, the drag queens are like, we've all been drinking and we're too responsible to drive. So you're trapped here. Yeah. Well, that's so... responsible, though. Yeah, they're all responsible. And then they have to deliver a child in a gay bar. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. So but... <laughs> no one takes the drag or their nightclub stuff off. It's just got to deliver this baby at the drag show. Uh, going in the next day, Tabitha and Clifford sit on the empty stage. Desperate to know where the girls are, they call the dock crew because like maybe the dock crew is falling around, um, which they weren't. But they were following Meatloaf. Oh. Tabitha swallows her pride and asks Meatloaf for help. Asks if he knows where the girls would be. He's like, of course I know where they would be. They'd be at Rendezvous, the gay bar. <laughs> you say it just like he that. He says it just like that, yeah. The yeah, gay bar. The gay bar. <laughs> Which at, at that exact moment, the Italians pull up in their 1968 style. Spicy boys. In their beefy boy clown car. Right. <laughs> just... Which then Meatloaf commandeers, which the doc crew's like, we had a empty family. You don't have to do that. <laughs> but he's already driven away at that point. Uh. We cut back to the girls who have decided – they have to decide whether or not to help their friend or save the world. And th this is where I struggled because to do both, to get your cake and save it, it too. Lick it too. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> How do you eat a cake? Just... Um, it, it's not – it doesn't make for good drama. Sure, sure. Uh, but it also – I can't have World War Three and Spice Worlds. <laughs> no. As much as I would personally just have it turn into that, like a po post-apocalyptic Spice World Mad Max hellscape, <laughs> then that's not the movie we're making here. Just <laughs> as badly as I want it, I understand. So they, they do the both. Meatloaf, the Italians, the doc crew arrive all at once. And they're like, well, how do we how do we do both? Like, of course, we're going to deliver the baby. That That's the thing that happens. But like, how do we broadcast – us to the world and the drag queens are like we have all these screens like we have a hookup to the internet it's not legal but like we do <laughs> and they're like well right but like how do we get internet like how do we get an what, internet what's in an internet and sporty's like well we have all those free internet cds <laughs> oh my god they just have a bunch AOL. of aol they have a bunch of, like, yeah. the and 90s like, solution <laughs> 
like in the van, they don't ha- have any idea how they keep getting delivered to the van, but they do. Yeah, and that's a good. That's a good like plot not to have explained. They just no, there's like because eh, they just show up in your house, like you just find them. <laughs> no, even today. Boys. If I find one, I'm <laughs> framing it. <laughs> they were hanging up you know, in in the grocery store at the checkout <laughs> some places. Like by the just, by the so, gift like, cards. She pops <laughs> it in. We hear the dial tone and they're hooked up to the uh the world baby uh so they they broadcast <laughs> blazing fast 56k right. <laughs> yeah and just when they think they're going to succeed there's some like fuckery with the connection and that's when we cut outside to riffraff fucking with the wiring yep uh, and then we hear a shot ring out riffraff crumbles and behind him we see the third best james bond saying you still got it old boy oh <laughs> 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 thus, thus the payoff for having a bond in the first place. Thank you, P- thank you, Pierce Brosnan. Sure. <laughs> I mean, Goldeneye 007. I played that on Nintendo 64, probably around the same. There's time no way they afforded him at that point. But anyway, uh, <laughs> we then cut to Clinton and Yelton sitting in a theater by themselves, watching the screens, Spice Girls, and Clinton turns to to Yeltsin and says, "Maybe not today." <laughs> and Yeltsin says in Russian, "No, not today." There's still hope. The end. <laughs> That's oh, it. Up, up I know you got to end this fucking movie. <laughs> I like it. I like. Just a, a handshake between dignitaries, right? And a, and a, and a and a pop song, right? <laughs> there we go. Uh, so that's. That's my fix for the Spice Girls. Did, um, did we use like a real vehicle or, or they didn't drive? They didn't, they didn't drive because the, they delivered the... Uh, yeah, I did lose that part, didn't I? I mean, if, if I added it, it would absolutely be the Matchbox car. Like I'm not cutting what is probably my favorite part. Um, That's true. <laughs> oh, so God. how do so we how do we feel about good. the fix? This is a wild one. Well, Riff Raff comes to his demise and doesn't... Evaluate, yeah, reevaluate his life. No. So that's that's kind of sad. I mean, he kind of didn't do that in the first one either, though. No. It's just kind of like you know, my life's whole been based on a bunch of lies because I don't know. I had, I had a, a head injury. He looks up, sees the five Spice Girls. He's like, "I've done wrong." Well, that's they've, it. They've got me. So here's what I have to say now. Right. And then his mouth's hanging open, right. like he just, said, just a little bit, just a little, just bit. A little bit, just a little bit. <laughs> Just imagine he doesn't brush his teeth. No. <laughs> I imagine with Nosferatu teeth. Just like round. <laughs> <laughs> no, just to explain why there's Nosferatus in this world. <laughs> just... I, I'm i going to be brave and, and say who the Bond was. It's Timothy Dalton. It's Timothy Dalton. He's the third okay. best Bond. Okay. <laughs> Not because of his performance as Bond, but his performance in literally everything else is pretty great. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I do like Timothy Dalton. Me too. Yeah. I mean, I like Pierce Brosnan too, but then... I'll never tell. Got <laughs> uh, to leave that like vague opening for the first and second place so people don't freak out on me. So I like I like how this version kind of better integrates the side bits. Like mm-hmm. the uh, like the cutaways don't feel so much like proto Family Guy style cutaways. They right. feel more mm-hmm. like dramatizations about uh, and that further contextualize the mm-hmm. relationships we're seeing play out on screen. And less random too. The, the less ones random. They have are so random that it, they don't really tie into any specific yeah. plot or anything, anything like that. Right. I mean, like some of them fit in, like, so, like some of them in the in the first version fit in with like the movie pitches that mm-hmm. were going, mm-hmm. but they, but that they stop dead there. Like, yeah. They, like these, I feel like have a greater thematic connection to what's actually playing out. I also like that Nicola has a greater role. That she actually yeah. has a more defined role, and her, her being the sixth Spice Girl helps, like, really. 
cement that connection better. Mm-hmm. And I, I like I like the I like that impact a lot more. Yeah, I completely forgot about her character until I rewatched it as yeah. an adult. Like oh, she, absolutely. She was not memorable at all, and that, that way it gives her some dimension. And yeah, meanwhile she like goes into labor in the middle of a drag show. It's like that seems like a memorable thing that should stand right. out. I remember right. that. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Um, so, what are we giving this? Uh, what what ooh. Rotten Tomatoes score are we giving this this fix? I think there'd still be a number of critics who would ta- who would take issue with it, just given that it is you know it's a pop star movie. Mm-hmm. I should say my initial goal when I started working on this was to make it a class a cult classic. Sure. To the point where I was going to get the director of Rocky Horror to do it, but then I was like, <laughs> no, the real world people should make it, and his style wouldn't mesh with them. Mm-hmm. I think. I think the real world hype behind it, the uh, the MTV partnership, mm. immediately gets it, at least in the audience consideration, yes. way higher up. I think that that the fact that it only hit like forty five yeah. for the uh, yeah. Yeah, for the original version is still kind of like boggling my mind. Um, I think for the critic score, I think we see it. I think we see that go up. I want to say fifty five. Okay. I, was, I think the Rotten Tomatoes critic score will go up to fifty-five. I, I don't. I don't think it makes it to fresh, but I no. think that I think that this has it, this has a tighter narrative than the original does. And I think that's enough to at least get it up above fifty. Mm-hmm. I think so too. Yeah. It just has more more dimension to it. What do we think the IMDb score would be? That I think goes up to at least six. I would agree with six as well. My thought was when it first comes out, it's like a 5.3. And but then, then the over cult. time, as it gets to be more of a cult classic, uh-huh. it oh, moves up towards like 6, 6.3, 4, whatever. Okay. Yeah, I'd buy that. Especially Fantastic. once Jersey Shore Right, yeah, once up. you're like, I knew that sexy beef boy from the Spice World movie. <laughs> and then also having the partnership with MTV and yeah. the Real World crew, that would give the American promotion. Just, just the the ad time they'll get on mtv will help immensely. oh yeah 100 percent. fantastic well we're not going to leave just yet but we are we are leaving the spice world behind and stepping into the book mark world that's that's what we're doing uh (laughs) so would you like to tell us a little bit about uh, what you do hi everyone well my name is jill i am a multimedia artist and i specialize in resin at the moment but i also know how to make a lot of other things and I, in the pandemic, I started reading a lot. It just helped with being isolated. And I was going around to a lot of those little free library boxes mm-hmm. that they have registered. And I was, I was like, oh, I can make, make bookmarks and put them in and trade for books. So before it was just kind of like a hobby. Mm-hmm. And then I had people, be like, oh, these are really cool. You should sell them. And I had a couple of friends encourage me and I made an Instagram glittery underscore shenanigans is my username on Instagram. And what became out of that, these authors are sending me books to review. And yeah. I'm as an artist, it's very important to promote other artists' works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's nice that we can promote one another. Yeah. And I've had books, like I've made bookmarks to pair with authors' novels and the cover art as well so and that's a lot of fun i like that i love it it's... and they're worldwide yep yeah, I... you have you said you have one in uh... i have one in milan i have a couple in milan italy because <laughs> my friend lives there uh i have some in the uk um belgium france australia i think i have some in south america wow uh canada nice 
those rascally Canadians. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, and they're solid. Like, they're good yeah. quality resin bookmarks. Like, these would hold up for a good while. The bet, the funniest thing is when I'm at doing pop up sales and people are looking at my table and somebody drops one and the look on their right. face. <gasps> oh my, it, it's broken, but. It's, I mean, I wouldn't recommend bending it as hard as you can, but they're pretty durable. And um, I also have... Branched out into keychains. Keychains. I have little wine ones. So these, I I don't ship these internationally unless... Because of the the metal? um, Yeah, just because I can send bookmarks in envelopes with cards. Oh, right, right, right. So that that gets rid of the outlandish customs fees. But if somebody from another country ordered a lot and it was worth getting a package with tracking, then... Definitely would want tracking on there. So if somebody were to want a bookmark from you, where So it's um, my Instagram account. Right now, I just sell everything through DM. And you said that's glittery underscore shenanigans on Instagram. On Instagram. Okay. And uh, I am in the... I would like to get a website at some point, but sure. right now, just between yeah. reviewing all the books and I, I've been doing pretty, busy. pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. No, you've got a lot on your plate. Like it's, am- it's amazing. And I love it. Like I wouldn't. Like the fact that I can wake up every morning and make art, and I I That's didn't realize dream, that yeah. I could could yeah, it's a dream dream come true. Very Fantastic. cool. Uh, well, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for yeah. having me oh, as a guest. Absolutely, I had yeah. such a great time yeah, reminiscing about Spice Girls. <laughs> yeah, as well. no, it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> next week we'll be doing something. I guess not next week, but like the week after next the next episode, we'll be doing something a little different because the Razzies are saying who they've nominated. Yeah, Razzie Ooh. nominations are are, uh, are happening on the seventh of February, I, I think believe. So. I think so. so we'll be recording our next episode after that, and then we're releasing after that. So don't don't tell us. Yeah, don't tell don't us. Don't tell us. Don't spoil don't. it for us. We're going to go in as blind as we possibly can because we want to give you guys our predictions before we actually compare Correct. that to the real We've the real thing. Been watching some real turds. Good. To- fucking lord <laughs> just trying to anticipate like what's going to get nominated so uh, yeah like there's some like there are some prediction lists out there about like what you yeah. know what people think are going to get nominated and we've been going off of that and going off some of our own impressions as well and holy shit there were some bad movies <laughs> out last year so you can find us uh drazzled at Places that Joe has memorized, but I don't. Yeah, so you can find us on Facebook at Derazzled Podcast, on Instagram at Derazzled underscore podcast, on Twitter at Derazzled Pod. Uh, you can email us at uh, derazzledpodcast at gmail.com to, re- uh, to let us know what you think about our, uh, our fixes and to recommend movies that you want to see us do in future seasons. Uh, as we've mentioned, we are getting ready for season two here, so we're still looking to fill out some of that schedule. Uh, and we're going to have a, bit, you know, a gap in between seasons one mm-hmm. and two where we're going to try and do some fun stuff here as well. You can uh, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, uh, on Spotify, on Good Pods, uh, on Podchaser, wherever you listen. I, I, the more that you are able to rate us, the like genuinely we appreciate it. We pay really close attention to those things, and we care what you think about the show. And that helps us get further up in ratings and standings on those various platforms and helps those algorithms show us to other people so more people can discover our sh- our, uh, our little bit of stupid uh, stupid fun here. We just want to show you our stupid. We just want to show you are stupid. Yeah. Honestly, that's that's the uh, whole point of this. <laughs> thank you, thank you again, audience, people, Joe, Jill. Oh, thank you for having me. I had a blast. Join us next time. We'll be sure. We'll to... be sure to razzle dazzle you. Yeah, there we there go. We go. Yeah, yeah, we will. There. <laughs>